Hey guys, we're Violet and Antonio. And welcome to the Pooks and Mooks show, where we are about couples, we're still figuring it out, to be honest. But <laughs> couples and traveling. Couples and traveling. Interviewing others who have same mindset, similar yeah, mindset. Pretty much that free soul type of mindset too. Yeah. So yes. How you doing my man? Very good, thank you very hey much, Antonio. Yeah. All right, man, so how did we meet? How did this happen? Well, we actually crossed paths at the gym. Uh, we're both in Changu in uh, Bali. Uh -huh. And um, I met these two just working out. Somehow a conversation popped up and then I got talking with Antonio. But as you guys noticed, he does have an accent. So where are you from? <laughs> I'm actually from New Zealand, yeah. uh, believe it or not. But yeah. you might not pick up on total my accent because I've traveled the world so often oh, now. So funny. it sort of blends into one, but it's actually traditionally from New Zealand. If That's you can awesome. pick it up. Which is cool. That's where they filmed Lord of the Rings. Oh, right? did they? Exactly. Oh, yes. I didn't know yeah. that. Middle Earth, right? In <laughs> <laughs> Which cool. is awesome. Did you ever what? run into them filming? Uh, no, I didn't. They're, they're on a different island. So New Zealand's oh. basically got two main islands. Oh, okay. So cool. I live in the south. But yeah, the filming was done up in the north. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's the that's only so thing I know about New Zealand. Right yeah, now. honestly, sadly. Sorry, we should have looked it up, honestly. Hey, it's all before. right. Yeah. But, but if you want, give us your highlights, man. Mm -hmm. Tell us uh, what you consider long version your story. Mm -hmm. The long version of my story, well, uh, basically my story has all come out of uh, growing up. I moved, uh, my family moved around a lot, sort of five key moments, uh, five key periods of my life. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that comes a double-edged sword, you know, taught me how to adapt really fast, but mm -hmm. also didn't really allow me to form really close uh, relationships mm -hmm. uh, early on because like I had really, to, yeah. yeah, be so used to being picking up and moving, moving right. on really mm -hmm. fast. So that was a big thing. Was that 0 through 18? Pretty much the key moment was between 8 and 13. Okay. Uh, moved, we moved five times as a family between those ages, which was key. So I learned some big things got installed in the subconscious, which later I can get to perhaps later in the story of how to unpack that, um, what that meant subconsciously in my life and how to, mm -hmm. how to redirect my decisions yeah. in my life. But that mm -hmm. was a big influence on my life growing up. Definitely mm -hmm. was, was around those years. Um, five major moves or like down the street? Well, or a different city. Well, in a, yeah, uh, one was in um, from within the city, but as an eight-year-old kid, you just can't get to your other neighborhood like that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it was like pretty much was like another city in a sense, new school, mm -hmm. unrooted, and the other ones were different cities, um, and one back to the same city mm -hmm. as well. What country? Uh, all within New Zealand. Okay. Uh, but they were just from major city locations. Okay. Yeah, and different environments, uh, having to go into a different social setting, a new school, make new friends, mm -hmm. uh, get used to a whole different environment. Had to get really used mm -hmm. to doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Which is very important, especially since we're now talking about traveling. Yeah. So, you know, did you stay there till 18? What, like, what's what's next? In the yeah, show? right. So the next up, we basically end up settling in Christchurch, probably an established move around the age of 13, 14. Mm -hmm. um, established myself in Christchurch um, mm -hmm. and then really developed you know, a core set of friends around that area, mm -hmm. um, and then a lifestyle, did my schooling there, mm -hmm. graduated high school, um, and then I pretty much from there went straight into um, a youth working course, so I got trained as a youth worker, um, and you'll get to later how the business was formed, it was pretty much out of the essence of having a real desire to see people grow and flourish. Okay. Um, Post. Within the religion, there the youth development. Or? Yeah, well, uh, specifically within uh, youth development. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and then post that, I did a personal training course. So I became trained as a personal trainer, um, and a whole bunch of disciplines within that. 
Um, and then after that, and I really did a lot of different jobs, um, which will be unpacked. Same here. It's like, like you're telling his story. Like 30 something different jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I was grateful for all of them, like from laying mm. concrete to laying pipe work to Ooh, being wow. electrical work, running my business with uh, laying electrical cables and refitting houses to building work to courier driving to taxi mm. driving. I mean, you name it. Like, mm. I got the experience of it and I'm really grateful for it. You know, do you, would you say it's because you lose interest quickly and your and your mind needs to get stimulated differently? Uh, I think one of the one of the core things for me is I didn't want to leave any stone unturned, um, and oh. part of it was a conversation with my mum, eighteen, and she said, "If you get a year out, you could do anything. You could work any job that you want. Uh, what would you do? Um, and and why not have a taste of everything so mm -hmm. that you know what you really? I agree do. with that. Yeah. yeah, you know, because mm -hmm. how do you know you could be really interested in being a mechanic, but you never had the chance? Right. So and um, kids these days, they think they have to have that figured out. What am I going to do for the next 40 years? Exactly. And that's so unrealistic. Exactly. And the other side of it ties in for me as part of my role as a life coach um, is, is a career coach as well. And it's helping direct people into their chosen field, which I've developed what I think is the best of everything I've learned into one system to help people do that. And part of that was having the experience of all these different kind of genres and mm -hmm. pathways into work and being able to relate to people at that level as well. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, there, so you were trying different jobs and then did you find one that was it or what happened next? Through well, I, I discovered through that process I could actually love a lot of things. You yeah. know, I could yeah. love building, right. That's I could okay. love being physical, I love personal tra training, but I, I started um, to develop themes. I noticed there were themes that that came to the surface right, I agree. and I had to start you know really journaling what was it that was making me warmer what was making me colder what was making me excited so it was a great self-reflective question to ask and really helped me on the path to finding my mission and cause really mm -hmm. okay so how did you build the self-image to go to do what you wanted to do because I mean that's really challenging too and not listening right. to other people's opinions yeah. of what they want for yeah. you because in America we're yeah. all taught to just Great grades in high school, sure. you have to place. She mm -hmm. was top 10, I was not yeah. even close. Top 10% mm -hmm. of the, yeah. the, the grades. Good, I, could, I just worked hard. So. 100%. Yeah. So you can get yeah. in a university and then get yeah. a corporate job. That, yeah. that, quite frankly, I think is one of the, probably the fundamental keys, mm -hmm. uh, the type of thinking is to produce the type of results. So mm -hmm. my thinking was always to be outside of the box. And there's a part of me that wanted to stay within the tried and true. And there was one mm -hmm. time where I had a mortgage to pay, I was in a job that I loved 80%. And later on, I can teach you guys the nexus, which which basically incorporates your passion, your skills, your talents, your giftings, uh, and your personality all into one direction. And you Ooh. find out the key sweet spot. But I had to find that I was only 80% of my nexus, which was actually quite high. I nexus. Liked my nexus is just what I described. The, uh. it's, a nexus means the joining point. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's the joining point of all those things that come together. Yeah. Um, and how excited when you hit the sweet spot that's when you're nexus and I found that I was in a job that I was 80% doing what I loved oh, okay. and I had to make a decision at that point mm -hmm. do I want to take the risk and go into my own business and fully go into the d delicious category which is 100 <laughs> plus of what you love to do yeah, or yeah. would I be willing just to potentially stay 80 and then maybe even drift down to 60 and just live yeah. a ho-hum existence paying the bills and being right, okay right. with my life mm -hmm. and I really had to make the decision at that point it's like you know what, I'm going to take the risk, I'm going to gamble it, and I'm going to really go. So how did I... It makes so much sense, man. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what we people do all that. the time. Mm -hmm. People are like, I like it enough, or do I do the risky thing that is 100% what I want to do? Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, they're the hardest clients to work with are those in the category between 40 to 60%. Because 
it's it's okay enough to stay yeah, in there. Right. Pretty much, but the middle. it's not bad enough to change. So the majority oh. of people stay within <laughs> that so zone. Right. They don't want to change it because mm -hmm. did it's we not bad enough. We don't. Exactly. Pray the economy crashes so that way you can change something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what That's happens, what right? Happens to exactly. open up your mind. Um, yeah. And that, quite frankly, was a massive thing for me to fight against because I come from quite a conservative country. So do the mm -hmm. NZ followers. But it's true, you know, that the key thing is it's a very conservative culture in, in a okay. lot of ways. And so mm -hmm. I had to fight that. And I was the youngest out of four, three older brothers, right? Oh, so for sure. I, I had to learn to think outside the box. I had to learn to do the best I could with the minimum I had. When you're fighting three older brothers, you have to be crafty. I have brothers you have too, to man. be smarter, right? Yeah. You can't always <laughs> think as the big guy. So, But I see that as a blessing because I couldn't just use my my God-given size or whatever I had as, yeah, yeah. The, as the young kid because it wouldn't work, right? So mm -hmm. I had to come up with other strategies that were outside the box and perhaps that actually guided and directed my thinking to become an outside-of-the-box thinker as Which well. Which is amazing. Yeah. these different things, yeah. Yeah, right. Wow, so okay. this is, this is, so you had that at a young age then? You were thinking that differently at a young age? Well, I, I believe so because, I mean, this was just a, a classic example. Whenever they would show patterns of numbers that you had to, to, to read out in class, right? right? Everyone would see like a six and I'd somehow see an eight. Everyone see one one color. I would see another color, but that's just mm -hmm. a physical thing, which has to do with color blindness. Um, oh, you you're oh colorblind? yeah, I'm colorblind. Yeah, too, so colorblind. Oh my yeah. god, I swear to God, I'm like, like y'all are like the same person right now. Following the same bus, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I literally you colored the ocean purple instead of blue. That's what oh. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Man. The, the crayons look the same. Yeah. So, but but I always come back to this quote. Um, well, there's two quotes that I love. And one one is from Theo Sagaruk, and the other is from Albert Einstein. And he says, you know, imagination is more important than knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. Knowledge is limited, but imagination encircles the world. And I always harken back to that because that quote for me is kind of like I could stay within the confines of society and do what most of the people do and get what most of the results are given in life, right? Yeah. Which is the same thing, the same wage, mm -hmm. most people in debt, most people slightly broke, yep. most people living week to week, and mm -hmm. I could live with that type of thing and get that results, or I could decide to change everything. I know people, friends, and I won't say that they are, but, but they make much more money than me, per se, but they're still living on the credit, yep. they're still a debt on the credit card every year, right? Because they haven't learned to think outside the box. They still right. live within society's mm -hmm. uh, framework for their life. Mm -hmm. And so that was mm -hmm. one of my gifts was to take that quote, that type of quote, and then just apply it to life. And if I access imagination, then anything becomes possible. Wow. Yeah. So what was a job that you felt 80% and then you... That shift. Yeah, that so, shift. Yeah, that right. Time, so, that... so for 12 years, I was working yeah. as a youth worker. Uh, mm -hmm. slash youth pastor from a school um, and a youth community. Is that where you developed your communication? Uh, yeah, probably part of it, yeah. Um, I, mean, I always liked, liked to talk you know, in front of crowds mm -hmm. and that was never uh, a hard thing for me. But, um, but you know, I ha had a change in management and I really feel they didn't really appreciate perhaps my, um, the core strengths and my, and my gifts. So I found mm -hmm. that with you know, a new leader being involved mm -hmm. that, that I was under, it was really starting to wear on me a bit. And yeah. then I thought, well, I can either try and force myself into this this mold just mm -hmm. out of fear that I might not be able to pay my bills, right. or I can really decide that, you know what, I've got a lot to offer. I can completely rechange my whole environment if I choose. Mm -hmm. I've just got to have a plan, a strategy, and the desire to do it. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of how, how I came up with it. Nice. What was the plan and strategy? Would you shift to Well, yeah, well, there, there's a number of things. So, so the, the key essence of my business is, is, is based on three words, create, educate, inspire. Um, and so the idea is 
create an environment for people to excel uh, holistically, that's mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, educate people with life transformative principles mm -hmm. and inspire people to find and follow their purpose. Right? That really was, was the, the foundation mm -hmm. of my business and, and not just my business, but my life's work. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I have a part of the business that certain people that can't afford the service that offer. So I have, you know, foundation fund, which is able to go and uh, help people that perhaps are struggling that need it, mm -hmm. but that could make a massive difference to their life. Um, so anyway, so that was the first thing, but so I, I had my why. So but then, then I, I needed a plan because it wasn't just like you could just turn up there and start earning millions of dollars and, and, right. and you're set free. So the first thing I had to figure out is, you know what, I need to learn how to live for free. Um, so I, I was staying in a three-bedroom house. I, I owned it. I had a mortgage to pay. And then I figured, you know what, I want to, I need to be able to live for free to take the pressure off just paying, caring for myself and start caring for the business. And so what I literally did was um, I had some handy friends that were willing to help me. Uh, help came from all as soon as I made the decision, help came from all over the place. Like wow. it was kind of like it happened for you. Majestic, like, yeah. yeah. It's some not a thought, common thought. What do you mean by I need to figure out how to live for free? Yeah, so so I had to figure out how I didn't have to concern myself with just working to pay for my own needs oh, okay. to survive. Mm. So that because I wanted to focus on something that was greater than myself. Mm. So I was like, I don't have time to think about myself. I got I got mm. more time. I want to focus on the business, right? And focus mm. on making it making a difference and uh, mm. contributing. So what, what I literally did was, um, I turned half of my garage into a sleeper. So I got pretty much free accommodation. So I had a guy came in and showed me how to plaster. They showed me how to, to line up with electricity. I had a really good friend, helped me uh, pretty much put a window in, put a skylight in. And then I was staying in this place. I'm literally free. So all the mortgage is getting paid off. I had a free room to stay. I went on a world tour. I came back and I thought, you know what? I could do the same in the front, right? So I literally, with all the skills that I've learned, I, I transformed the second one pretty much up by myself um, at the front sleeper. So now I had five uh, bedroom house. I was able to rent out each room, oh, wow. room by room, put a manager in place, and then I could travel the world uh, for the last 10 years, six months of the year, uh, right around the world. Oh my God, uh, that's Being able to live for free, not only live for free, but make money enough to travel, mm -hmm. spend and give as I go. Amazing. You know? and, and, uh, and I know that though, they're watering the plants up there, so. We'll probably need to come in a little closer. Yeah. Because uh, okay. I can edit. I can edit the uh, background yeah. noise. Okay, cool. But um, but it needs so to pick up very clearly. More, yeah. So essentially, uh, are you using a combination of Airbnb and all the other local websites? Because that's really trending right now. Is right. Airbnb. Yeah. Sure. Like instead of buying a rental property, one renter. Yeah. Buy a house, and now you have six rooms to rent or something yeah. and you're yeah. much more income like i did try airbnb um it works when i'm there but particularly for me i want to create uh the smoothest systems the least amount of maintenance mm -hmm. possible uh mm -hmm. for when i travel so i've been refining it over years every time i go back i'm making some kind of investment in the house to make it nicer better mm -hmm. and so now um, i just got all long-term tenants oh. a manager in place which means that the bills get paid every week. Everything's okay. on automatic payment. Wow. So I never miss a payment. Um, we've got really great tenants in there. Uh, they, they love being That's there. The systems mm -hmm. are set up. And so the place gross was, you know, like $1,000 a week. Um, mm -hmm. And then it, the bills are only $300 a week. So, you know, you get a gross $700, which, which is quite nice when you're traveling. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like, sounds like you need to 
get a house and Airbnb. <laughs> well, right? yeah. the thing is, it's, it's not about the strategy. It's it's about the purpose and the cause. You see, I would have found another way had this not worked. That's true. Like this. But what I did was I just pieced together whatever plan. So you take the house away from me, I'm going to find a way to do what I'm going to right, do. Right, right. I agree. But that's the standard you live at. But I, once I actually figured it out, it was within three months, once I did the subconscious reprioritization, which is another course that... I've learned, gone through, and I help other people, which is to really find out what's holding you back. Your top 10 moving toward right, values, right. your top 10 pulling away, and your top two that are most influencing you. Once I figured that out, I could rewrite the rules. Oh, literally overnight, within three months, I was financially independent. So it took three months to put the plan together. And once I had it, it was so clear in my mind, I had my goals, and I was able to take them step by step to the point I never had to work again after that day. Wow. I'm not saying I didn't work again, but I said I never had to right. for another dollar. If I didn't want to, I could set up yeah. and I could do whatever I wanted. Of the rat race, yeah. but I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, if your why is big enough, then the how doesn't matter. Exactly right. And um, so, what we're looking for, though, is like, was there any powerful mentor, or like you said, a course or a program or something that was a big catalyst? Because it seems like obviously you were thinking outside the box for a while. Yeah. What was? Did you take any quantum leaps or exponential? Yeah, no, great. I mean, there's been a number of influences if I look at, and I'm just genius. Starting with the first one. Mind. You know, probably first one. Oh, okay, when I was a kid, this really helped me. Mum introduced me to a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective <gasps> People. Right? Oh, my God. Yeah. One of our favorite books. So, yeah. yeah. And so I literally um, came across that when I was 12 years old. My mum started me on it. 12 years old? Yeah. My mum started me on that book, reading the adult version at 12 years old. Um, and I think that had a powerful impact because uh, out of everything I was learning at school, I realized, you know what, the standard curriculum, I couldn't give to, no, I don't, you might have to this, but I didn't really care about it, right? But when I got a hold of this book, it was so practical. I, mm -hmm. could, I could understand the concept of the circle control. Yeah. I could then go from being a kid who might have got hung up on not being picked for that team or getting right. bullied by people, mm -hmm. by your brothers or whatever, to, yeah. to little things like that, to suddenly going, you know, well, what is inside my control now? My happiness is literally within this world here. Yeah. So I, and this has influenced the rest of my life and it taught me how to manage my finances, you know, it mm -hmm. taught me how to then become financially independent. It taught me, you know, the circle of influence, you know, how mm -hmm. you can start influencing people without, you know, all of these great little personal tools. Um, and so I've designed the whole curriculum on the key principles out of that as well now that, mm -hmm. that I offer out into the world. But that, mm -hmm. that would have probably been the catalyst to start me thinking, you know what, probably for self-awareness for many things go, you know what, I see probably people that might have been more talented than me might have had more um, education, they might have, um, you know, been, been more gifted in certain areas. But one thing I didn't see them always have was this ability to stand on their own two feet, look outside the box from the younger age, and then perceive the world differently and therefore make different decisions. It's not always about being the best, it's about having a different mindset. Because you can get totally radical results if you can change your mindset, you don't have to be the best, you know? Yeah. Like a lunge or something. But, apologize. I guess this is uh, the flexibility with just kind of being nomadic, right? Yeah. You have a set this is obvious. authentic, guys. I know, right? <laughs> so this is, yeah. <laughs> you think travel is what you see on Instagram and all that, but sometimes, you know. There's so much to it. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That's amazing, man. You're honestly overwhelming me with how much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, where, where do I pinpoint next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so 12 years old, yeah. found this incredible book that I didn't find my first pivotal book until I was like 17 or 18 years right. old. She I was, was 13 when I put it. I read the team version. Yeah, I yeah. started to improve myself. I don't yeah. even know where it came from. I just felt like at a young age, like I love personal development. 
I was really, really hyper, and I was always different. Yeah. So, so I was the most behaved out of my sisters. So, in a sense of like hyperactiveness for yeah. for a female. Yeah. And so I thought like, what's wrong with me? And then my dad was like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just active. And so, you know, my outlet was personally developing myself because I was so different from everybody else in a good way. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the blessing of having no daddy issues. Wow. I really don't. Yeah. yeah the, honestly. Yeah. The dream. Yeah. The dream. I got it. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. I had a great it. dad. Like he told me I was brave. I was Lucky. smart. Yeah. Like, thanks to my dad, because wow, I'm everything because of him. Perfect. And I think, and we and we talk about it, like, we believe couples are going to change the world. Because like, it starts in the house, right? Like, your yeah. mom gave you that book. Like, yeah. I don't know where she got it, but maybe she's read it before and yeah, she gave it to you. Yeah, we actually where... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I believe that, you know, as you, you do things that you love and you personally develop yourself, you're going to affect the next generation. And I love that you, you work with kids because they're so impressionable. And you can, if you're there early enough, you can really help them, you yeah. know, just acknowledge themselves, self-reflection, like acceptance and... A hundred percent, Which yeah. is where I think, in general, the world is going towards because of the internet. It's different now. People are waking up, um, and it's obviously still not mainstream yet. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not mainstream yet, but I feel like you get yourself right. Yeah. You find some, you attract someone else that did the same thing, mm -hmm. and yeah. then you can impact the world together. That's awesome. Yeah. But so, how did your mom find that book, and then what was next? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> I, to be honest, I, I don't think I've asked her that question. I don't know yeah. how she came across it, but I'm going to need to ask her the the most important thing you ever did. I know. I, I really should. I really should. But, but that that was awesome. Um, and then moving on, I came across Anthony Robbins. Um, yes, we love Saw him on an infomercial, and yeah. he just sounded so motivational and inspiring. You found his infomercial? Yeah. I what did you think about Tony Robbins first? Because um, he's obviously the legend. Yeah. Honestly, from you. From me? From you. Oh. You went to his conference. He went. Oh, wow. And then okay. I looked him up, and I read his book. I found him from, uh, we do a number marketing company on the side yeah. called Amway, and in Amway, there's a personal development training system. Right, yeah. And uh, my mentor gave me Tony Robbins audios. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he gave yeah. me Tony Robbins audios when I was 18. Yeah, no, he... So then you found him? It, it was brilliant, like he taught me, yeah. I mean, they did a big thing on the subconscious um, value system, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. I took a lot out of that. Um, and it's just his general attitude, I mean, he had a lot of gold. Yeah. So I, I pulled out a lot of good stuff from him. Jim mm -hmm. Rohn, his mentor. We <gasps> love I know, we love Jim Rohn. I like him more than... Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was fantastic. Um, and then there's a certain guy, but he—I don't know if you would have heard of this guy, but he's more New Zealand-based guy. But Dave Riddell. Um, um, we'll he, check him out. He's been in his 60s now. He wrote uh, something called Living Wisdom, mm -hmm. and um, if if the Seven Habits is kind of like the basis of which holds life and which gives you the structures in which to, you know, sort of uh, architect your life. Well, mm -hmm. he. This is about the energy that flows through it. It's about Ooh. the the, the, the mindset, oh. not quite the chakras, but the okay. mindset, the, the subconscious, the thought patterns, how basically to change your paradigms. Mm. And it goes way more into the paradigms of life. And Kobe touches on that, but he goes right into detail on it. Mm. Pretty much the forming of your beliefs as a child, uh, even um, just in the womb, outside the womb in your oh. early years, how trust is betrayed at the cot. Wow. Um, and all of these kinds trust of stuff. Is betrayed at the trust is betrayed at the cot. Um, the, like you know, the basically when a baby's in the yeah. cot, that's the time trust gets betrayed. Oh. So uh, quite often, you know, people with issues that will come out of childhood often get go right back to the early stages when, for whatever reason, their mm -hmm. caregiver, their big person in their life, betrayed their trust at a young age. Oh. Um, and a lot of the dysfunction 
subsequently in their lives comes from those early stages and the beliefs that are formed around that about how people are and who they are. This is called energy. What did you say? Uh, well, the whole thing was called living wisdom. Living wisdom. Um, but. But, but you said that it was the energy. Yeah, that like like that. My analogy was like uh, if you're looking at a hydro slide, um, mm -hmm. the scaffolding would be the slide itself would be the seven habits, but the stuff yeah. going through it is like is oh, like the okay. living wisdom. Oh my gosh. This is yeah. the stuff that okay. life's made of, um, okay. and so it's understanding really the essence of life, um, and so that had a big influence in understanding the subconscious um, to a large degree and helping people reprogram their minds um, right. and also replace uh, the lies with truth. Yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. if people are basing their lives on lies, they're going to end up with bad results long term. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's training people how to think uh, with the right mindset. Yeah. Have you heard of Les Brown? Uh, Les, Les Brown. Brown. I feel like I have. Maybe, maybe on YouTube, but he basically says that uh, yeah. people are made up of the stories they tell themselves every day, yeah. and that this individual disrupted the story he kept telling about himself. And that's how he was able to move forward. So, 100%. Yeah, right? Like, we tell ourselves these stories like, oh, um, like people who are, who are addicted to like drugs, oh, I'm a crack addict, I'm a crack addict. But if you can interrupt that and tell them, like, no, you're actually, you can be an engineer. So, it's things that we consistently tell ourselves. Yeah, on, yeah. on that point, it was like, if I had just listened to the conservative voices, which mm -hmm. was the 90% tempting thing to do because you, you tend to think of them as the voice of reason and the correct voice, right. they would be saying, you won't be financially independent um, in your 20s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You won't, um, you know, you can't live for nothing. You should just find a solid job that's eight right. to five, work mm -hmm. that, and you're going to be set. Now, yeah. that was a tempting thing to listen to, but something in me just wasn't willing just to settle for that. Yeah. You know, I knew I there was more I could offer, and there was a far greater way. And the science shows it now, and I know my personal experience this is true that when your own needs aren't under stress, your brain goes from the limbic system thinking, fight mm -hmm. flight, into the neocortex, which is creative thinking. That's when all the possibilities are. So, so like in saying that, the scientific research says that you literally can access your neocortex, which is the outer mm -hmm. cerebrum of the brain, the more creative side, mm -hmm. and you can access thoughts you would never have if you were caught in the old structural oh, mindset wow. of fight flight in your day-to-day, eight-to-five job, working day-to-day, mm -hmm. -day, living week-to-week. You literally don't allow, even though we're, I believe we're all creative geniuses if we allow ourselves, you literally don't allow your brain to have the ability to access that because you're caught in day to day. And I believe that's the bigger, if you want to call it the, uh, you know, the, 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 the system that we're yeah. caught in. Yep. Um, yeah. That's how it is in the States too. You know, the they, they try and keep you, they, uh, if you <laughs> believe in conspiracy theory, without saying it's the government, I'm gonna, I'm gonna but if we go down that track, but, but it's the idea that, that they want to keep you in this confined, limited mindset of just yeah. fight, flight, being a little bit of debt, going week to week, because mm -hmm. then they got you by the thumb. Yeah. You're in a yeah. consumeristic yeah. yes. society, and you got to pay week to week. Yes. This may be a 50-hour. I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> We've got so many areas to touch yeah. on. You can go deep into like. Oh, well, that's so. Yeah. So I, I really feel like we have a good grasp that it will take a long time to really prick your brain because there. At first, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like this can be a simple story of you know you some that? things. No, no, no. I didn't. I, I, I was kind of looking for something to get a grasp on you, an anchor to kind of move it even forward more, but. Kind of like us, there's no one thing. If the person who's self-aware, the person who reads books, yeah. the person that attracts teachers mm -hmm. has lived a thousand lifetimes. Yeah. Absolutely. I like I that. And, and you can good. tell so many stories. Yeah. And I know you're giving us the fast version, but I'm like, wow, I have a really good grasp. 
that where you can have a long white beard right in front of us right now because you are you are really blowing my mind away of how deep your knowledge goes. Wow, mm -hmm. thanks. And I feel like we can understand because I think ours is pretty up there as well. But and you have a lot of wisdom. Yeah, yeah. a lot of wisdom. You, do. Yeah. Really, I don't know. <laughs> you shouldn't ask that. <laughs> well, before I ask some specific questions about what you said, I want to know. If you're a lone ranger on this or do you feel like you have a close circle of people that think the same way or maybe who do you learn from yeah right well um i, I i'm always gleaning i'm i'm just you know i'm trying to get the best information i can i i look from totally exotic sources different sources mainstream mm -hmm. but i'll get anything that makes sense and so i'm always constantly learning in terms of where I get my support from, I got a group of friends in a while, about five or six years ago, I decided it wouldn't it be cool if once a year we went away and we had a trip away and we do this every year now, we've done it for the last five, six years, seven years, and we go away and we just spend a weekend away and then we, we, we do three things. We go behind, present and future. So we take a stop take. We go, how was the last year? Are we happy? Where have we moved the ball? How are we now and what's the next five years? And it's really exciting because mm -hmm. we always look at Risk Reflect Legacy, which is Tony Campolo shared, which are the three greatest things people in their 90s would have done differently if they could live their life again. Risk. Okay. They would, all of these, these three things came up and they were, they all wish they could go back and they first they wish they could reflect on their life. They would have reflected reflect. periodically throughout their life, right? Reflect. And then upon the, the reflections, they would have taken way more risks in their life. So they realized, man, all life is risk and if we don't risk, nothing's worth living, right? They would have yes. risk. <laughs> and the third thing they all wish they'd done more of is left a legacy that would have lived on beyond their yeah. life. Mm -hmm. And you don't understand that until you get into the 80s and 90s and 70s if you haven't done it. But uh, like, I'm not even there yet, like way off. But, but <laughs> my, my idea was if I could just pick their brains now, then maybe I can live through their lens even now and yeah. like fast forward yeah. into you know young age and do that. Mm -hmm. So that was always the plan. Always ask for the wisdom that I would have when I'm 18, 90 and live yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I so where that. were those people from? Are they like? Uh, well, there was uh, it was a study done from a sociologist, Tony Campolo. No, 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 your friends. Oh, sorry, sorry, my friends all from New Zealand, and we go away once a year and we do that, and we we have a ball of the time. We go, and we relax, like you we bond. Yeah, so they're all so mates. Uh, mm. Must have been been attracted, I attracted to them or they attracted to me and we just formed a good relationship and we all set our goals together, we have a blast and yeah, we share our lives together and we share our meals together, we have some fun, we go to the pools. So you're not alone when you have these talks with them and... Yeah, totally, we reflect, we share our lives and uh, we, we progress and we've seen some amazing changes just with that group. You know? oh, it's wow. amazing. Have, have, you, have you read um, Thinking Grow Rich? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I've, I've read a bit, a bit around yeah, that. Yeah, kind of like mastermind, like your yeah, mastermind, your mastermind group. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just people who think alike, yeah. and you guys feed off of each other and help yeah. each other grow. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like my core group. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I glean, in terms of wisdom, it's just constantly whatever I can find, and always constantly researching my, my brain. Yeah, hungry, yeah. seeking your find. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's go back then. Now that I kind of know that, I guess that is the simple answer: is if you're searching, you're going to find whatever you you're looking for. You're going to attract the people in your life. Yep. They just come to you if, if you have that spirit of <laughs> seeking it out. So you were talking about that the system, which is the lies you were fed, yes. go to work, yes. scarcity mindset, consumerism, materialism, a lot of the terrible things uh, keep you in the fight or flight you said, which I'm totally vibing with. Like This is so awesome that, that you worded it this way. Um, and I'm a big history buff, and, and uh, you know the reason why we even got to this point is because with farming, you didn't have to worry about hunting and gathering, mm -hmm. so you can now philosophize and think and move your life forward. But modern day hunting and gathering is you get in a job 
and all you're worried about is just mm -hmm. providing. So when you're beyond that, you're accessing the creative parts of your brain, mm -hmm. and that's where I truly think you're most happy. Yeah. Right? That is where happiness lies, when you're just creative, and, and uh, it's not about being in the hamster wheel. Yeah. It's kind of literally just being... This is all hippie, spiritualist, spiritualistic type of thoughts, Buddhist type of thoughts, that yeah. you don't need anything to be happy. You just need to be happy. Well, yeah, 100%. I want to follow on with what you're saying because I think it's brilliant what you're saying. But I thought, I always, I, I live, the other quote I didn't get to say, but I live by this quote by Theo Sugriff, and he says this, he says, do not make your grand decision in the depths of the valley, but rather make it from the glory of the mountaintop. And that always, I don't know what that quote says to you. Yeah. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't make decisions on the low tide. Right. But I see so many people in life, and I was thinking, I've made some big decisions in my life. Um, luckily, they weren't permanent. But yeah. I've seen many people make these big decisions in their life when life's, when they're not in the best mental space, when they're right. going through a tough time, and they're only at level two out of ten on the rung, and they go, mm -hmm. man, that level four. And the temptation, and life, it'll always offer you this, it'll offer you the shortcut out, and life will always say, hey, what? Well, guess what? You could be on level four if you just accept my hand right. and you don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. But there's a catch with it. You have to stay on level four for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right? But level 10 might be the mountaintop, but, but you're on level two, and level four looks so damn good because it's twice as good as level two, yeah. you know? And so many people fall for that. Like, let's take relationships, for example, you know? Yeah. You might not develop yourself to the point yet where you can attract the right person in your life, but mm -hmm. you just take what someone's offering you at level four and you settle for that, um, and then, you know, game over. Or mm -hmm. anything, a job, you decide to take that, you settle it. But my plan was I want to scale to the top of that mountain and yeah. then make my big decisions. So here was my mountain. My mountain was this. My number one value I figured out was freedom. And freedom meant for me, once I wrote my rules for it, in the subconscious section of, of what I was studying, was being able to do what I wanted, when I wanted, where I wanted, with who I wanted. So mm -hmm. for instance, if I woke up tomorrow and decided I'm going to Japan, I could book a, a flight tomorrow and I could be there in a week. That sounds so cool. I agree. Right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. so, so the plan was I wanted to get to the point of, for me it was financial independence to cut it, to cut it short. I want to look down from that view and then I had earned the right to make those big decisions. I hadn't earned the right when I wasn't in control of my decisions or my finances. I hadn't earned the right to choose who my partner was going to be. I hadn't earned the right to choose what I was going to do for the rest of my life. But most people get caught in the system a little bit of debt, and then it's the practical needs of the day, and they never reach the top of the mountain. They stay at level five or level two or level seven, whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And that my temptation was to do that, but I thought, no, what? I'm going to scale it, and then I'm going to make my big decisions. And when I did that, it was awesome because I got to the top of the mountain and I realized, you know what? Let me just enjoy the mountaintop for a while, right? Can you explain what was the top of the mountain? So the top of the mountain was being able to do what I wanted, when I wanted, where I wanted, with who I wanted, with okay. not having to work for a living. Uh -huh. Taking care of the hierarchy of needs, taking care of, which usually revolves around money, because yeah. once you take care of that, you're at the top of the mountain, because you're not in the rat race anymore. Exactly. So for me, it was creating a golden goose that would feed me whether I slept or worked or wake up, it would always be providing for me. And that's pretty much what I created at a young age. So then I was able to make big decisions that usually only retired people can make about what's important right. to their life. But mm -hmm. I got to do it way before yeah. that time, you know. So being able to do that was inspiring because for a while I took some time off, right? And I really enjoyed, you know, just doing nothing. Mm -hmm. and, and that year I fulfilled my bucket list. So I wrote down everything I ever wanted to do before I settled down. So, yeah. And this is going to sound, what do you mean settle, settle down? down with a partner, kids in the future. You know, I thought, you know what, I want to take a year out. I don't want to do everything because I put myself in my brother's shoes, right? My brother had four kids, okay. had a wife and had the whole deal. And I, and I spent some time there and I realized what wouldn't I be able to do now? 
if I made that commitment and I thought all these things just listed in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to go and do all those things. I was going to get them all out. Mm-hmm. Can you, what are some of those things? Uh, depends how PC this uh, this is, but basically <laughs> uh, I'll give you the PC version. So, uh, What's PC? Parental. Uh, oh, care. it's explicit? explicit. Not, yeah, but, but like I was able to, to, to try certain types of drugs. Ayahuasca, mushrooms? Ayahuasca. Mushrooms. <laughs> totally hey, we're, we're big fans. We haven't okay. done them yet, though. Uh, I even did DMT. Um, I yeah. had I had some the awakening. I had some pretty much mind shattering, body shattering experiences that took me outside of myself. That those are on top of your list. Like, hey, let's because you know part of our journey is we are going to do ayahuasca, and uh, she's more excited to do ayahuasca than. Excited. Or LSD. I just feel like wow. I want to confront like the subconscious mind. I did my yeah. That's it's yeah. not like excited. Like, oh, I want to get. No, it is. <laughs> no, no, it's with the healing. Yeah, you gotta be so prepared for it. I did mine in the depths of Brazil. We stayed with oh, we whoa. stayed with a tribe with no internet, no power for two in weeks. In the Amazon. In the Amazon jungle, we were whoa. living off. Um, we were sleeping on. Um, so is that? But is this the first thing you did? No, no, this is this is way down. This is sort of the end of the trip. But, but oh, this, okay. I was sleeping on hammocks. We were catching crocodiles in the night. Holy we love. literally got them in the bit, bit right across the wrist of my my friend's hand. He had to get it stitched up. We had crazy experiences. We were catching piranhas. We were feeding the village. It was amazing. Oh That's another story. The same friends you go out into. Uh, one of them, yeah. One of them came on okay. tour with me. Yeah, we, we went there together. It was incredible. We actually made the news in the end. They put us on the news and had so this experience. Neat. But that's enough. I mean, I could go into a hundred stories. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. We were, some things that you did. But I mean, lots. there's lots of things I could go into, but I feel like that could be for another podcast. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, in essence, it was, I wanted to, I've been to 40 different countries, give or take. Um, I've lived in many different cultures. I, tr- I want to try the different foods. So I wanted to, before making the decision of settling down, I wanted to have the experience of living and breathing mm-hmm. and, and interacting in each of these key mm-hmm. cultures that I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. No. Okay, so that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so that's where we have you today. Or is there still a lot in between? Oh, I mean, there's, there's a lot to cover, but you know, that, that's some of the key things. Uh, you before know, you settle down. Surely. Yeah, before settling down yeah <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about let me ask you about that where are you with that original paradigm of i want to do all these things before i settle down oh sorry where, where yeah, are you I, at now in your I journey was, what are you yeah i was towards? i was on my way to expert to to conclude what i was talking about about being on the top of the mountain right so mm-hmm. so after living that way for a while and not having to do anything yeah. um living you know pretty much for my pleasures if i wanted there was something deeply unfulfilling about that mm-hmm. and that's when I realized I was starting to make a genuine decision to really live with a purpose and a mission mm-hmm. right but yeah, it I hit me at a new level because part of it was connected to earning an income before you right. know like yeah I'm mission focused on I like to help people but part of it was like man I'm getting paid for this as well but then getting to the point where it's like I fully just live for myself I did everything on my bucket list took mm-hmm. a year out did it all and then realized you know there's an emptiness and then I realized the pyramid of fulfillment yeah so mm-hmm. the three levels I don't know if you heard of it but yeah. you got right at the top, which are most addicts live, is, is pleasure. Mm-hmm. The second rung down is where most society lives happiness. Mm-hmm. The third, which should be the foundation, which most people flip upside down, is is actually um, it's joy. Mm-hmm. And and not enough people know how to access joy mm-hmm. and how to have it ongoing. So what I realized, the big thing for me was living with a purpose, living with a mission, to access my joy every single day. Mm-hmm. And when I could, when I, whenever I engaged in that, life had a whole new meaning. It wasn't just pleasure, it was joy. And pleasure should be the icing on the mm-hmm. cake. Joy should be the foundation. Happiness can come and go because it's circumstantial. The sun is shining. You have your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your car's working, and then it goes. It can go. Your happiness can go. Mm-hmm. But joy can ride through all of it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, 
what you're saying pretty much is well, before I actually kind of <laughs> he's like, let me soak it in. That, yeah. that was amazing. I've always tried to I've always thought that. But you said it in a perfect structured way. Yeah, because I've I've been looking for the joy. Like I feel like we're here, but that's such a different level of living because yeah. you aren't living for yourself anymore. You're living for others and we're humans, like we do need to interact and help others. Like that's fundamentally mm-hmm. what we're that's like in our DNA. Yeah. yeah, like we were in tribes and gathers, and so that's really 100%. neat. Yeah. Let me ask you, in that year of pleasure, right? Yeah, so pleasure was the top. So I had a year <laughs> living for that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great, by the way. Like, yeah, I don't do regret it. <laughs> that's, that's what they, a lot of people say, too. It's like, I wish you had all the money in the world so you can know that's not everything. Right? They say that. Yeah, I yeah, wish yeah. you had it all, the fame, so you know that that's, yeah. that's not everything. But my question then, too, is... Yeah, Jim Carrey, <laughs> is uh, you didn't do anything, essentially joy sounds like to me is living your purpose, doing things for others, contributing, mentoring, just helping other people. Oh, okay. Um, so did you not do any of that in your first year, in the pleasure uh, year? You no, didn't do any of that? I did, but it wasn't the priority focus because the priority focus was, was sort of, it was quite self-centered in a way. It was focused on my own pleasure, everything that I thought I would regret if I didn't do this. So it was like, I agree, um, that, that's totally you know, love, yeah. But, but I see life as that. I, I see a lot of people never individuate. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is mm-hmm. they, they stay a product of their parents' values. Yep. They get married maybe at 21 and they go straight into having a burden and responsibilities and they never individuate. Mm-hmm. And I believe- Individuate? Individuate. And what I mean is you can be independent but not have individuated yet. A lot of people can mm-hmm. be independent financially, they can be independent emotionally, they can be independent uh, lives, they can tie their own shoelaces. But mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they've individuated. Individuated means that you own enough of your own identity now that it's not mm-hmm. important what everyone thinks of you. Mm-hmm. They don't shape your decisions mm-hmm. and how you feel about yourself. So mm-hmm. true individuation is, Going, these are my parents' values, these are the values that I'm exploring, and now I'm in a position where I'm going, yes, I like that about my parents' values, I like that about what I was taught as a kid, but now I've discovered all this in life, and all these rich mm. things from all these cultures, I'm bringing into my life, and I want to pour into my kids now, and to give them a choice. So I believe that middle gap before you settle down, in an ideal world, it's not for everyone, but I think for a lot of people it could be, the start's about collecting what whatever you're given in life. The middle part is about you exploring who you are and what you'll accept as an individual. Yes. And then the, the next middle part is about finding that partner, or perhaps you might have already done that, but blend mm-hmm. that together, but blend both your values together, form a new person, mm-hmm. and then take the best version of what you know and what you've received in your life and pour them into your kids and allow them to make that same decision as they go on. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I see as, as the pattern of life, but I see that middle gap, particularly in America, and where travel isn't encouraged and exploration yeah and some cultures in America is not entertained, uh, just gets taken away. Yeah. Know. We call individuating being woke now. It's kind of like, oh, hashtag okay. woke. Like yeah. It's like the new generation, millennial. I didn't invent it. I, I'm yeah. like, we're in the middle. <laughs> we're not like, there, there's like a whole new wave of like kids these days that of are just- Millennials, yeah, that yeah. were- Or what's the next generation that. after millennials? Um, uh, wasn't it Z? Something like that. Something like that. No? After 2000. Because oh, okay. we're 90s. Awesome. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Well, that's amazing. So, individuate, I do believe that's how we found each other because we both lived our own lives. I also believe that in relationships, um, I told her the whole story that um, I I call it and I explain it to her in long, but I'm going to give it short, is you need, some people are given lots in life, genetics or whatever, and 
your life might be easier than others or whatnot. But the mo most important thing is learning how to go into your life like a mechanic and know how to fix it, put it together and tune it up. Because if you, sure. if you don't know how to create your life, create your mindset shift, if you don't really know how to be the artist to your life, then you're going to be kind of tossed like a yeah. buoy or like a boat sure, without, yeah. a, without a rudder. So what individuate maybe could mean. I think that means the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah like it's that. Like it's like learning, learning how mm -hmm. to live. I want to write a book eventually too. It's called Learning How to Learn. Yeah. And, it's, and it's an art form because um, a lot of people just don't know that you can make wealth a study. You can make happiness. Sure. Like Jim Rohn says, yeah, yeah. if you want to be happy, study make happiness. Study, yeah. mm -hmm. If you want to travel, study traveling. Yeah. And then there's other components too because when people give you the simple answer, if you want to travel, just travel. Are you afraid? And then is your self-image there? Um, like there's a lot of components. Yeah, there's a lot of components that you need a foundation to be able to take those risks and leaps because people can just drop it all and travel, but they're still empty inside or, or they can make a lot of money, but their spiritual is suffering. So the new sought after success now is not just money. 100%. It's not just fitness. 100%. The new success has to be all of them. Yeah. You can't neglect things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what we want to advocate for as well. Yeah. And I feel like you do too. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. You know, coach. Yeah. What, what's the point being the richest man in the graveyard? Right? You know, and yes. it's the old adage, but it's true. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, you know, I think growing up, if you don't have much money, you know, the real currency in life seems to be money. Yeah. Um, and then when you earn all the money and you have no time, the real currency seems to be time. Mm -hmm. And then you go from time, you go actually, what's the point of having time if you don't have rich experiences? Yeah. And then you go from that, you realize it's actually the day-to-day -day emotions that you experience. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. can be the mm -hmm. true currency. So, so I, I teach a course seven levels of different freedom. You know, so you've got physical oh, wow. freedom emotional freedom um, financial freedom career freedom um, and there's some others and what I always say to students is what freedom would you if you could have any of those freedoms now what would you have and why you know it's a really interesting question to us because a lot of people say I just want the financial freedom but I say if you had the emotional freedom now maybe you could be happy even at your work yeah. you know and then other people say I'd rather have the physical freedom because I can do what I want but then if you're miserable how's that going to serve you so the understanding that the holistic nature, and that's what I build into some of my courses of personal development. I teach them, you know, how to take, have an hour of sharpening combined from Robbins and Kobe, the idea that if you could just take an hour discipline each day and you could mm -hmm. sharpen each of the key areas of your life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you can learn something new every day. Mm -hmm. You're sharpening your body so you're feeling good, you're in shape, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you're, you're growing. And then you've got this, you're starting from this inner core and it's already spilling out into your life. Yep. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. We right. practice that ourselves. Yeah. yeah I can totally see right. that in you guys, by the way. Yeah, I That's know. why we met at the gym. I, <laughs> I was like, we're going to that. We, we didn't feel like going. I was like, it's discipline, babe. You call it an hour of sharpness? Yeah, the hour of power. Or I, I call it sharpening. It's my sharpening time yeah. every day mm -hmm. because I believe in the principle of Kaizen. I don't know if you heard the story of Kaizen. But mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. So it's German? No, it's actually, it's actually Japanese, um, and the company Sony employs it to a great extent. But it actually was formed during World War II. After World War II, it was war ravaged, and Jim, Jim MacArthur came over and he trained up a lot of the infrastructure of the CEOs and those the powers that be in Japan. And they learned this concept called Kaizen, where they got everyone from the bottom floor sweepers to the top CEOs every day to make one small improvement. 
Just one. Oh, wow. It, it could be more, but just every yeah. day it had to be one. But that one didn't become 1% a year. It started compounding on top of each other. Yeah. And before you know it, you have this amazing Sony products being released to the world. Well, the same is true for our lives. You know, If we can right. just make one small improvement every day and you, and you start getting momentum, you start mm-hmm. looking forward to your hour of power and shouting, and you never want to miss it. And yeah. then you get momentum and it becomes exciting. Yeah. So I look yeah. forward to my morning coffee, black coffee, where I'm in right. a fasting state, uh-huh. but I'm focused on learning, growing, and, and being yeah. crazy. Yeah, so two things. We call that Miracle Morning. I don't know if you've yeah, heard right. that. No, I haven't, but I like oh, that. It's yeah. a great really book. Because cool. it's exactly it takes it to the next level, I think. And then the second thing is like compound effect, like mm. doing something little every single day. Kaizen, and yeah. That, yeah, Kaizen. Yeah. Okay. Because Tony Robbins does advocate for the hour of power, 30 minutes to thrive, 15 of fulfillment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what the Miracle Morning really did for us yeah. is um, he looked at all those morning routines yeah. and he called them the lifesavers. And um, essentially, you're going to do these six things every morning in that one hour. Yeah. And it's uh, meditation. Yeah. Well, with the acronym S. Yeah, so S, S for silence. Okay. Or scribing. There's two S's in saver. <laughs> <laughs> so, either one, yeah. So, yeah, scribing, writing, journaling, goal right. setting. Um, which is something that I don't do as often. That's one that I don't do as often. One that we are on a 38-day streak right now, which is meditating for 20 minutes every day. We use uh, Headspace, which is a guided meditation. Mm -hmm. And that right there is why we don't argue as much. (laughs) I think it's called, you like calling it arguments, I like calling it discussions. I don't think we agree on everything. Spiritual debates. Yeah, spiritual debates, there you go. That's a good one. Spiritual debates, do you like that one better? So, so yeah, well, meditation is how you still the ego and, and become more yeah, present. And, that's true. and uh, then you read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to read. Reading is incredible. You know the power of yeah. books. And uh, I think a lot of days now, though, one side effect of technology is, is kids these days have shorter attention spans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, bad nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, bad sugars shorten the attention span and uh, my attention span fluctuates because I couldn't read uh, see at the top I couldn't read that so I had to go back to the book that improves my focus which is our favorite book by far it's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle mm. and uh, are you familiar? I know Eckhart Tolle yeah, yeah. yeah I like it. so um, meditation uh, exercise so say there's exercise obviously that you know the power of exercise too affirmations and visualization affirmations visualization. and visualization yeah. Yeah. which we don't do as well sometimes we affirm more than we visualize sometimes we kind of combine those so yeah we're probably doing that wrong but those even half as good done is why we're here today that's amazing is, is, that's um, so cool it's funny too and i don't know like you said like you don't want to miss it what happens to us or to me personally sometimes right. is it gives me so much success so my plate gets full again i have the work and all that stuff that i i stopped doing it um but that was only when we were working jobs. Yeah. Or maybe when you were doing clients. So I wasn't working hard smart. So it would give me a lot of, it would get me busy and then I would forget what got me there in the first place. Sure, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's classic. But yeah, I do a similar routine. Uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. So the first thing I just plan yeah. out of my day, it just reassures my mind. But I, I literally have a, a flow of the day, right, when I plan my day. So there's patterns. I split the day into thirds, really. So a third, the first third is about personal development. It's about enriching yourself and developing on you. The next third is about professional focus, um, and that's your career mission or whatever. Okay. And the last third is sort of about social connection. 
Um, um, and I find those a perfect balance for me because I take the morning to really prep myself and do everything yeah. I want. So I've got nothing I'm holding on to myself. All those anxiety and stresses is gone, right? right. I, I would love society to work like this because I think people would be a lot more happy. Yeah, that's true. And the next I think we could build that. We can help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the next third is just all about focusing on doing your service for society, whatever that is, your mission. You, uh, you know, the professional is. Yeah, whatever good. your profession is. Uh, I call it your occupation. That's the word I've coined. Oh, that's cool. That which I occupies that. your passion. It's called occupation. your occupation. <laughs> so maybe everyone needs to find their occupation, and, and that's part of my mission is to help people find yeah. their occupation. Mm -hmm. um, next and the third again? The third half? And the third is, is about connecting, socializing. Everyone's. It's like a part of a family, time, everyone's part of a friendship group, which is very and that's important. a very important part of life. And sometimes they can merge and combine, but that's generally the the, the flow of my day. So I, I first good. plan I like my it. day the specifics Whoa. of that. I'm going to copy that now. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I know. Right, there you go. Exercise and occupations being painted. Like, no, that's <laughs> occupation. The thirds, the thirds. Um, and then I go into uh, ten minutes of just straight visualization. So I do gratitude and excitement. Uh, at the end of the day? No, no. This is all part of the morning routine. So oh, I do, do the planning, the, the third thing, and then I'll do the visualization. So gratitude and excitement. What I'm totally grateful for. What's all, all the great things that just happened in the day before, and I'll list them out, and I'll just feel that. Just and I'm having to go to excitement after that because I'm so grateful. But then I go into excitement. And usually I do it for what, what I'm excited for the next five years, this year coming, this month, this week, and then today. Wow. And that gets you right in the place because you see all your goals as if they happened. And then I visualize four of my top goals in clear pictures. I've got pictures and I visualize them in depth, what they look like and what nice. they feel like. And I imagine, they talk about imagine having already experienced them. That's when they become most real because your subconscious cannot tell the difference between the emotion of having experienced yes. it and imagining it, right? So I literally live in celebration there for that time. Um, and then I go into my next 10 minutes, which is basically um, all about my career. I do a 10-minute sharpening on my career, then 10 minutes sharpening on the mind, 10 minutes sharpening on, on envisioning, moving the next brick forward and, and what I need to do. Um, and then uh, finally, 10 minutes on enhancement, something to enhance for that day. And then I'm set for the day. Um, then I do my exercise. So enhancement is kind of like the Kaiser. It's taking any area, whatever, whatever you're most excited, just make a tweak on it, make it a bit better. So um, like right now I'm trying to tread water for a longer time, make that a little better, which yeah. is my goal now. But let me ask you, I always feel like I'm grateful and I think I'm very good at being grateful, but how do you practice gratitude? Because you, you struck a chord when I was hearing you talk, think about, I feel like the lists, like I'm grateful for Violet, I'm grateful mm -hmm. that we're here. Yeah. Is it, is it, I just don't feel the emotion part of it sometimes. Right. So it's kind of just seems a little flat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a little flat for me. I'm like, I'm really grateful and yeah. I think I'm a very happy person and I have sure. joy, but I think that's something that maybe I'm feeling I want to take to the next level. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. to be honest, it's the most natural one I don't steer towards. I most naturally, I can be in an excited state much more easily than a, than a grateful state. Mm -hmm. So I've got to train myself to be more grateful if I want more of that emotion. Mm -hmm. But when I do spend the time genuinely to get grateful, I never regret it. Like I, I go, oh, that's what happiness is. You know, it's one of the most powerful things yeah. you can do. Yeah. So, so gratitude, how do I do it? I go, I go, what am I grateful for? And then I say, why? How did that make me feel? Like, what about that? Am I grateful? You know? So mm -hmm. you really try and embrace and ruminate in that in that emotion, and just stay with it for a bit. You know, mm -hmm. so much of this is not about rushing through it. The temptation for me, I'm always quite uh, focus on on the goal. So I'm quite eager to rush through it. But it's reminding myself that man, I could just live in gratitude, and that can be enough. Um, so when I do take my time, I feel always feel more balanced when I take the time to really immerse myself in gratitude. Yeah. So it would be like, for example, you know, we could do this now, like. 
what's the thing at the moment that you'd be the most grateful you are? What's in your heart comes to mind? Not your head, but what goes into your heart. And I go, what are you most, if you to thank your creator or thank something in your life for being in it, what would it be? What, well, what are you? Of course, it's my beautiful relationship. Yeah. That's the first thing that okay. into my Okay, and tell me why, why are you so grateful for her in your life? I just, a lot of times, feel too, like, like, uh, I get, I already, I already feel it, man. <laughs> all right, I feel right, it. That's, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so maybe you're right. I think you triggered it for me. Is I rush through gratitude. Yeah. To get to the next. I make that mistake do. as well. And because yeah. I can get emotional just thinking about mm-hmm. how awesome our relationship and yeah. how beautiful it is and how we complement each other. And so and we're on the same page. Exactly. Because it's so rare to find it. That's we know this. Special. Think about what your life was like before she was in it, right? Think about how much you long for something like that to be in your life, and now you are living that dream. And all you got to do is anchor that to your nervous system for a while. And you're, flip. I'm already rich, you know. And I'll be honest too on the podcast. <laughs> something that she knows is I speed through emotions. Yeah, I actually yeah. negate them, and I speed through emotions. I was actually going to mention that. I think it's. I'm not trying to be like sexist or trying to, you know, just kind of pigeonhole something. I think it's just men. Because I feel yep. immense gratitude every single day, yeah. and I can feel the emotion, and I just sit there and I don't rush through it. Yeah. And neither do when I teach my sisters or I've observed with other women, like they yeah. can feel it. I just think it's the way that women feel uh, estrogen, yeah. testosterone. I mean, you're exactly you know, like, right. There's polarity and mm-hmm. there's feminine energy, masculine yeah. energy, and mm-hmm. that's why men. That's the beauty journey of men and women, right? Yeah, women is. are going to take kind of smell the roses, and that's mm-hmm. what's important is the relationship. It's always the connection. Yeah, it's not about getting the next investment. It's about making mm-hmm. life rich now. Yeah. As a man. He's naturally driven to provide ultimately, mm-hmm. so he naturally too. thinks to yep. conquer, provide yep. setup, so they can have that environment. Uh-huh. But it's the true. woman's always trying to remind the man to come back in and smell the roses, yeah. and the man's going, it's "No, so I've got to earn the money for the right to smell it's the roses." So, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's a like, funny no, combination. But we need both, right? We yeah, really we, need we both. Yes, let's talk about relationships. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're, we're on that thread. Um, <laughs> what what generally do you see, and, and what do you say? What do I see? What do you see in relationships around you? Mm-hmm. Um, whether growing up, your own parents, um, where do you see the world's current state of relationships sure. and what do you say about it? Well, I see a fascinating dynamic and I've had the privilege of meeting women from all around the world, mm-hmm. having the opportunity to date different cultures, mm-hmm. living in different cultures. So I feel really privileged and grateful to see where my life, I've had a snippet of my life there and I could see what my life would be if I lived a hundred years there or there. So I really can sense who I would become and, and mm-hmm. what I, I would happen. So that being said, I notice there are definite patterns in male-female relationships around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we come to the Western influence of feminism, you know, we have the first wave feminism. Right. We're the second wave and the third mm-hmm. wave. Now, I'm a big believer yeah. <laughs> in what the woman did initially. You know, I really mm-hmm. love uh, the fact they got the vote and, and right. I really am an advocate for, for equality in a lot of different realms. Where I think um, it's suffocating a lot of men now. It's a third wave feminism. It's the pendulum swinging quite far, but it's creating a toxic environment for many relationships. Not all, but there are, there are a number that can't handle the liberties of being in the West. And um, so it's creating this dynamic where no one knows what roles, what, how to be a man, mm-hmm. how to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Women are often taking the roles that men traditionally had, mm-hmm. and then men are feeling inadequate if they don't earn as much as their woman. And then right. often women based on how they've been wired up, they're always seeking a lot, not all, but many are seeking a man that 
earns more than them, and that's becoming very hard for many educated women now as they reach the top echelons that's of so their true. career. Do they can't have a professional career because they're not seeing a man they can respect financially because uh, he doesn't earn more. And I'm clearly not saying that for everyone, but I'm saying right. that is definitely a trend that's happening. Mm -hmm. So you've got the West like that, and then you go into you know obviously a lot of Asian cultures, right. um, not all, because Korea, you know, mm -hmm. Japan very westernized, mm -hmm. um, but then you've got very traditional ones in the Philippines and, and mm -hmm. um, places of that nature where it's more traditional. And so you've got this dynamic where you've got a lot of Western men coming and dating in, in these cultures mm -hmm. and you've got intermarrying of them. So I see that as sometimes a perfect fit because you've got a man that doesn't feel appreciated many times in the West mm -hmm. coming and you've got a lot of these women who don't necessarily feel appreciated in the patriarchal society and mm -hmm. there's this perfect match for a time where they both can appreciate what each other's bringing to the relationship. So mm -hmm. there's that dynamic going on. And then Latin America, you know, somewhere in between, you know, yeah. you've got a movement of obviously mm -hmm. first, first, first wave feminism and quite mm -hmm. a bit of impulse from the West, but you've also got very traditional family values as well yeah. happening within Latin America. Mm -hmm. So it's this hybrid, but again, that doesn't exclude, there's still your ultimate feminist within there and you've got mm -hmm. the ones that are very traditional so mm -hmm. yeah so and that's sort of where i see the okay. general pattern yeah, that, that was a, yeah, yeah i guess i'll touch on it since you did talk about feminism and like the waves of feminism yeah i don't know what the waves are but i think i kind of yeah great so, question by the way yeah so the, it is a great question because i feel like we sometimes get into that dynamic of like oh i earned more but i think it's the the attitude that the woman takes towards making more money because I feel like I don't flaunt it, and when I did, I didn't flaunt it at him, but I would make him the man of the house, even though like it's not feminism in a sense, but I think like in a relationship where you're both alpha, like I think it takes the art of a woman and like her self-realization to know that she needs to make him a man, whatever that means, in a different area. Right. So I think that like, I, can, I definitely wanna write about a book about that too, about like how both of you can be alpha, but a woman does need to have her grace. And that was something that I had to learn because I was a super alpha and that's why he fell in love with me. But then at times, like I saw in our relationship, oh, don't be alpha here. Like he wants you to have the femininity. And Tony, and I um, actually saw this on Tony yeah, Robbins. it's a good example. Because it was an issue and I was like, okay, like I am a woman, I do have like more estrogen than a man and I don't expect him to have more estrogen than me. Like it's just not biologically yeah, yeah. sensible. Sure. So then he says like, you'd have a balance of femininity and, and masculinity, but I need to have more femininity because it, obviously like I'm a woman. So then I, you know, you cater to, I cater to his masculinity and like, let's say, okay, you're man of the house, here at the house, like, okay, I'll do this with you, I'll do that, but I made more money in, sure. in that time period. Yeah, yeah. So I think like relationships as alpha is, is an art and it's challenging sure. yeah. for a woman. And yeah. I can speak from that perspective sure. because we've been there. But I think it is possible that, you know, you can be an alpha woman and an alpha man, yeah. but definitely the lady has to have her grace. And I know like that's not feminist, right. but like I know my power, like I know I know that I am powerful and I can make money, but I don't have to be rude about it. I don't have to try to act like a man sure. because, yeah, like men do want women with grace. And I say grace because it's it's men can have grace too, but I think it's something that women forget to have as as yeah. a power, like the, like the power, you know, what is it yeah. called, like the ego, the, the power highs. Yeah. But you can still feel that, but also know that. You know, if you want to make it work with your man, like he has testosterone. Let's just like that's just the biology of a man. And you need to cater to that. So that's yeah, what you, I can say about knows the yeah. terms better than that. And that was really well put. Because yeah. the way uh, I want to word it, and you maybe will have better terms for it, is what she's what I want to say you're saying, 
is when you're self-aware, which is yes. what you are, when you're mm -hmm. very self-aware and your ego's in check, yeah. and you know you're in tune with your emotions, we call them your love tank. Because when, <laughs> yeah. when she wants me to be sweet to her, mm -hmm. she knows how to act for me to be sweet to her. Mm -hmm. um, when I need her to be sweet to me, or when, when, and then we know how to turn on the conquer mode, masculinity, right. like mm -hmm. I need my identity, I need to go perform. Mm -hmm. right. I need you to validate my performance, I need you, yeah. you know, so like, so it seems like when you have your foundation, you know how to balance yeah, the you really polarities. Do. And that's what I want, I think you did a good job mm -hmm. saying that. But here's the next thing is, no, 100%. Uh, I think, yeah, you guys have an exceptional uh -huh. relationship, and I, I can see that from the outset, you know, mm -hmm. it's very unique in society. Yeah. Um, where do I think it ultimately going? I think we're in a very interesting time of yeah. life, because mm -hmm. you can go back and you, you'd live how they lived centuries ago. Like, I literally was an Amazon, Amazonian tribe where Whoa. they had very traditional roles. The men did a very traditional set, hunting, gathering, fishing, <laughs> woman, weaving, mm -hmm. washing, preparing, cooking, you know, yeah. very traditional wow. set roles, right? Mm -hmm. So I think in this day and age, you can literally find what your predisposition is. Yep. So and I think there are certain women that are predisposed to want that. There are right. certain women that will be predisposed to that, but I think the key thing as we move into beyond into the 21st century and beyond will be how does that hash out in the individual relationship? Because mm -hmm. I think what's happened as a cultural movement as a whole, third wave feminism has pushed the pendulum way out this before it was way out masculine. Oh, okay. First wave might have brought it there, second yeah. wave, okay, a bit further. Third wave's now brought it out to the point where yeah. men are now feeling more and more pushed out and not accepted in a lot of society mm -hmm. driven by third wave feminism. So I think what's gonna happen naturally, and it has to, yeah. because women can't exist forever, by themselves, what's going to happen is going to come true. back to the middle, but men often are the last voice to be heard in society when it comes from a well-off, middle-aged, middle middle-class man, mm -hmm. um, because he's, let, let's face it, they've generally had a very good way of life for many years, so why should anyone listen to the man? But it's when it starts to the detriment of a family mm -hmm. and even women, mm -hmm. when it starts to affect them, I think we're going to see a swinging back. Mm -hmm. But then I think we'll have the best of both worlds because I think mm -hmm. at that point there will be true equality. I think we can achieve equality. Yeah. But I think it's going to be based on like what you two have done, mm -hmm. being educated and right. being a big thing, being respectful of each yeah. other. Mm -hmm. And and I'm feeling I have to. I remember now. Yeah, you're in, right. In, 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 <laughs> perfect, perfect place to talk about it. So that foundation, like yeah. you said, educated that foundation, and then uh, respectful because. Um, it, the, what I was trying to say earlier is that we know how to fill each other's love tanks. So, um, which, when she has needs for me, I know how to give them to her and vice versa. And it's very apparent of being aware of those needs when we actually really argue. Um, she wants me to be sweet. I actually get defensive and I get into attack mode. Yeah. And uh, and she comes out very strong yeah. when yeah. she's angry. She comes out. <laughs> so strong that I feel like I'm being attacked, yeah. so that we're both going at it. <laughs> sure. And uh, that's very apparent when we're, our egos overtook us. Yeah. So and then one of us has to say, okay, like, Yeah, I'm one sorry. of us has to just wow, let the yeah. ego down. Yeah. That's uh -huh. brilliant. And then it's yeah. back to the balance because um, we are saying the same things. When you're arguing and you're, it's mainly in a very good YouTube channel, it's called The School of Life, and it yeah. talks about how to argue properly. It's always mainly that I'm hurt, or I have some needs, or I, I need or to be I'm, heard. I'm being vulnerable with I'm being you. Vulnerable. Yeah. 
and uh, and it can manifest into like, why did you do that? Why did you leave your socks on the floor? Or whatever. I don't say that. Or she never oh, says okay. that. I was like, just for the record, I'm not saying anything. You don't really say anything, just really. Just letting it go. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's how it manifests when the ego is not in check. So I feel like that's one of the biggest things that people need to master first is well, yeah. their ego. I mean, I you, feel, yeah. Sorry. I, <laughs> I feel like if you read The Power of Now, it talks a lot about like polarity, like femininity, masculinity. Right. And I feel like that gave us a lot of insight to like the root of, of humans in general yeah. Yeah. and why our relationship works. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. One thing that's like, why I interjected to go yeah. back to you yeah. of that is what you're explaining the foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Those one things. thing that really after my uh, relationship, my previous relationship, mm -hmm. I really understood once I'd done Living Wisdom, which is what I referred to before, yeah. they do a whole session on um, unbearable feelings and how okay. you don't really know someone until you know their unbearable feeling. Unbearable and you don't really know someone until you know their default mood. And so your default mood what was conditioned in you since a child and your unbearable feeling is the thing that you, above all things, is the most unbearable thing and you'll do anything to defend yourself against that feeling, that emotion. And you don't truly... You don't truly know someone until you can have many unpleasant feelings, but until you get to the unbearable, that's when you get to fight flight with someone. And so, and uh, something called cross matching. And so, when your two unbearable feelings trigger, that's when you're in the most danger of being in the most toxic form of relationship mm -hmm. because both are not in a very uh, conducive mood to, mm -hmm. for the enriching of a relationship. Both are in self preservation mode. So, for example, mm -hmm. someone's unbearable feeling could be embarrassment, or okay. it could be rejection, or it could be humiliation, or it could be guilt. Mm -hmm. um, depending on what the particular emotion that they just is toxic to them, and if you trigger that in the relationship, that's when all kinds of fireworks can happen, and that's when you truly, truly see the real vulnerable person in me. But at that point, if they can work through that, and you can understand that, that's when you you know you can see them at their worst, you can help them at their worst, and you can both help each other. But it, a lot easier said <laughs> than done because right. when you've experienced that, triggered right. by those toxic people back in the day. Yeah. Me defending you, those kind of things. Yeah, it's like we're thinking about it now. Yeah. Because like well, <laughs> <laughs> we, we've gone through some pretty, any couple has. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like you said, like working through them, it's also the person that's in the relationship has to be able to understand, oh, you have a blueprint. When this happens, you right. get triggered. And this is what it means to you this whole time it meant something totally different to exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you kind paradigms, of yeah. try to match up these two paradigms, mm -hmm. you're able to understand each other better. Yeah. And uh, obviously it was really hard for me to understand emotionally mm -hmm. a lot of times because um, I'm very emotionally, I think I'm a stoic where I'm not too high on the highs, not right. too low on the lows. I think that's what it means. Even keel. Mm -hmm. Whereas All you're up time. and down. Um, yeah. she can, I don't think so. She says think... she can feel, she lets herself feel the emotions. Yeah. Um, up and down. <laughs> but there's also some times. Like there's this. also some times where I actually, it's true. She was up and down, and I'm trying to, and I'm working on teaching her. No, I wasn't. I Remember, think it's, I think it's very like high and like very yeah. low. Okay. But like, there, it's not very consistent. Low? Yeah. I Remember, think, I, I was teaching really low. You I, can get pretty sad yeah. and depressed. Yeah, yeah. And right. I was trying to teach her, babe. You don't have to go and level, and not that she's gotten that low, but let's just say there's your zero. Yeah. 10 being your statically high, yeah. and then negative 10 your suicidal. Yeah. Whoa, not like that. I know, but I, you've never gotten that. Right, right, right. But I'm talking about people can get that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I only like get minus two. Mm -hmm. 
the most. Right. Okay. I don't. I have so small lows, small highs. Keep it. I think like I can get pretty high as well. Oh, I don't but think so. I make sure. You don't. Maybe. Don't so. Maybe not. This maybe is Antonio, not. and like you know what he's gonna feel the next day, like without a doubt. Nothing like, and it's a good thing. But do you like that? That's yeah, that's I good do. For you, right? Like grounded, like he's so grounded. But then when I want him to feel for me, empathy. He, I can't get it from him. I'm like, unless, why are you choosing to feel sad? The double-edged sword. Like, yeah. unless yes, it so. happens to him specifically, he doesn't have a perspective on it. Yeah. So that's how he is because he just sees everything like this. Like, yeah. he never talks bad about people. Never like says bad things about them. I don't like, get sad. He has maybe I've, no. I have cried a few times, but maybe no more than two or three minutes. Sure. And I know for sure it was because I had to be strong for my mom. Yeah. Growing the, up. The, the super, superhero effect. Yeah. 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 So. Wow. So we've identified these, but keep going. You like yeah. you keep so talking. So you're talking about what did you call it? The, the unbearable uh, feelings. The yeah, unbearable that, feelings, okay. and you don't know it unless you've uncovered it. You don't know it until it hits. So right, it right. could be being trapped. Sometimes it lingers in your subconscious until you encounter that. Mm -hmm. But so often as adults, we've developed so many survival kits right. from childhood of how to mm -hmm. avoid those feelings. And those survival kits were helpful when you're a kid from stopping being smacked or stopping being embarrassed. But now they can stop intimacy as we grow older. Mm -hmm. so the idea is to to give away the survival kit, the thing that helped you survive from that emotion, oh, and then oh, to wow. relinquish it and to develop true adult skills. And, and that's part of individuation as well, is oh. to come face to face, unthaw that emotion, wow, now awesome. feeling trapped or feeling mm -hmm. depressed or whatever, mm -hmm. or feeling bored, whatever the unbearable feeling is, come face to face with it, yield to it, and at that point, you're truly free. You, know, you go to the next level of freedom. Right. I think a lot of men, like you were saying too, right. survival kits, as a man, you need those because maybe your dad was tough to you or he wasn't there. Sure. And, um, so, so a lot of males suppress the emotion, don't show emotion, mm -hmm. especially towards other males. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, so um, do you think, two questions is, how did, where are you in that journey? And then do you think ayahuasca is gonna show you your unbearable emotion or feeling that's a good question. and start working on it because I feel like I'm maybe that's what's gonna happen when I do ayahuasca I'm gonna get so emotional and I'm gonna be confronted with it and who knows what's gonna happen yeah I mean um, so the, the first part of your question was where are you at with in where are you at in, uh, your in my journey of, yeah unbearable like, feelings or well I came from you know three older brothers you know um, mm -hmm. quite a uh, conservative type culture so it was taught you know you don't cry if you're a man, you know, you oh, suppress okay. your emotion mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, and I think there's certain cultural things that, that will. So it's just mm -hmm. the journey to realize, you know, to become one with your emotion, you know, mm -hmm. um, because in Jungian psychology, which I've studied Jungian quite in depth, which talks about your shadow side, it's the part that if you don't become one with it and yield and identify with it, it will trip you up when you least expect it. It will sabotage your life. So for example, if you spend it's all the parts of yourself that weren't accepted or wanted that you've learned to hide from society that didn't want them in your upbringing or growing up. So maybe the way you laughed, maybe the way you cried, um, it could have been um, a sense of humor you had, you know, whatever you've been taught to spread and shut out, mm -hmm. you learned just through social learning, you learned that that wasn't accepted at that time, but right. you've, you've made a decision, it's unacceptable, it was part of you, so part of you, you end up hating because it wasn't accepted socially, because it didn't gain you the approval of the masses, mm -hmm. which in traditional worlds would have met your needs for survival, right. right? And so you end up hating that part because it's the part that's going to cause you to die. So mm -hmm. my journey through Jungian psychology and, and all the rest of it was learning just to become one and accept the goofy part of yourself, mm -hmm. accept, 
you know, the loving part, except the vulnerable part, you know, and uh, it's not by any means the finished product, but it's a journey towards becoming one and accepting everything of who you are, because those things will, will trip me up in the future unless I, mm-hmm. I learn to yield to them. Um, and the second part of your question was... <laughs> Do you think ayahuasca can actually... Oh, yeah, well, ayahuasca... Joke, it's a thousand therapy sessions in one. I mean, it is, it is high, high energy, high impact. I do not recommend it to anyone that's vacationing as a party drug. And I... Oh, yeah, it's oh, not no, a... It's no, not no, a no, I mean, yeah. drugs, but I would be very... Yeah. Like, DM, DMT, DMT's become the westernized version of it. And that was yeah. a, even a way more powerful experience for me was I got injected into me. Um, but oh, but my experience is it what it, I mean it was transformative it will you will see things that you didn't encounter it will be a spiritual experience so you've got to be very up for it um, right. to the point where I don't know if I would do it again um, just because yeah, of how it affected me in so many different levels um, for the better for the, or I, I well I will tell you this take your top emotion the best you've ever felt in your life times it by ten and then times it by hundred again. And suspend that in air for a while. Then t- take your top fear times it by ten times t- times by a hundred and suspend that in air. Those two I've experienced in the one trip. Um, so you can say that was, I know me too. I was like, <laughs> that was with DMT, the more concentrated form. Ayahuasca was a bit more of a mild experience. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. But if you do it fully, that that's in essence what you're getting out of ayahuasca is the, mm-hmm. is the, the DMT. DMT. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing. I don't know if you knew this, but I think I've watched like three documentaries, and so I can say something about it. Yeah even though I've never done it, is that the shamans playing the music Icarus or whatever, that is, they call it like a separate entity or something that is guiding you through the healing process. Was there music playing when you did ayahuasca? Uh, did they do that? Yeah, yeah they did that. But, but yeah. did you feel like that was actually... Um, it definitely, it, it does um, it influence your, your, your trip because, but even when I'm doing DMT, I had this TV screen on and that became a living entity. So I think... Anything that, that you have in your environment will become part of your, your experience, so the music, whatever. But it's, it's, they talk about altering your third eye, which is your yeah. sixth chakra, mm-hmm. the idea, and that's the thing that which helps you dream. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're having a real life dream, but you're seeing all these beings that could actually create, be real in another portal. We just don't have yeah. the normal access because when we open the third eye, we get to see things that we've never seen before. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's in essence what's happening. You're, you're releasing the DMT from that. Um, yeah. The pineal gland, which which is, is what gets very close to the melatonin, the serotonin. Uh, sorry, the melatonin when you go to sleep mm-hmm. is very connected to that, that hormone. Yeah. yeah. The sperm molecule, because yeah. I guess that when you die, you secrete DMT. They say I don't know. So I, I got brought up with a Christian background, and, yeah. and I had some religious, uh, very touching experiences with God growing up through mm-hmm. throughout my uh, my my upbringing. So. Part of me was very hesitant doing ayahuasca right. because of my yeah, beliefs because, around, mm-hmm. you know, could it be demons in there mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. And so I had to, to be very mindful of that, what mm-hmm. I was taking on. And so I don't know whether it's that you see those entities because you're predisposed to believe that you're seeing what you're seeing is from your religious point of view or you're actually seeing them. I'm yet to draw a conclusion of that. Oh, but that um, is intense. I do know I... Like it's probably beyond the scope of this podcast. But <laughs> another one, I go really into to great detail of... The implications of all of that, um, which is which gets more into belief and spirituality and things of that nature. Yeah, which okay. we're well versed in that too. And yeah. <sighs> man, well, I feel like we've just skimmed the surface. I know. I know. I know. Because, <laughs> the next things I want to ask you about our spirituality and your religious right. journey and your spiritual journey because that we have a huge part in that. Yeah, there's a patio light I think oh, yeah, over there, but 
It's up to you. Like, um, I don't know. Do you want to? Well, the video charger. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you have some more time. Yeah. Well, what we're, time we're do you have to go? Well, well I'm just texting them right now. Yeah. I can, I think I can. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's flexible because because I feel like this we have some good momentum going on. Yeah. And uh, you never know. Tomorrow's not guaranteed or promised. Yeah, exactly. So. And uh, you're flying out too, so yeah. You I mean, mind if we let me shoot? Yeah. Let's take some it more down. time. Okay. Yeah. Let okay. me check on the camera. Check yep. on the stats here. Go then I'm gonna ask you about spirituality. Yeah. First, um, before I forget them, I do want to ask you about your social. Oh I think that's important because yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's how we even got here. Uh, I do want to ask you about spirituality and your religious journey because we've yeah. had ours and yeah, they were right. quite profound our spiritual yeah, journey. Yeah, okay, awesome. sure. wow. mm -hmm. And uh, you know, take your pick. Which one you want to start? With? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, now we just we were sort of fresh on to because you want to do like the relationship stuff, the social oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. But things. but um, but I think we're on the spiritual track. So yeah, keep going down that, that <laughs> okay, spiritual track and fill you in. So uh -huh. cool. Um, your spiritual journey. Yeah, my spiritual journey. I mean, uh, growing up. Conservative Christian home, mm -hmm. um, didn't really own it for myself, and um, mm -hmm. was just sort of doing my own thing. Went to an Easter camp, and um, they were having uh, during one of the services. They had a lot of worship going on, and and a friend and I said, "Oh, let's go up for a bit of a joke, you know? It'll yeah. be quite fun." Okay. So we went up, and then I'll never forget what happened next. Um, like I experienced something which. Uh, to this day, I'm mean, was 15 when it happened. I still remember it today, and something came upon me at that point, and I can only associate it to liquid love, like just poured through my body, and this thing like just said, "I'm real, I'm here, and I care." Wow. And mm -hmm. that instant that love filled me, I mm -hmm. was just filled with um, kind of like the meaning of life. I mean, I, yeah. To me, that holds out as probably the top experience of my life. I cannot compare anything to that incredible, mm -hmm. loving, intimate feeling. And I spent that whole night just fully in song and, and worship and, mm -hmm. you know, just this closeness. I can only believe that it was my creator. Now, you reminded me, did you have a new story? Yeah, yeah, I did twice. Uh -huh. Can you, yeah. you never told me that? Tell me. <laughs> no, I didn't, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, because... So we can all collaborate too, because uh, okay, remember, I do want to ask you, because we never really talked about our anything that we benefited from our beginning religious journeys. Right. I did for sure. You did? I don't like talking about it. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't she doesn't know. like talking I about do. it. I do. And I never There's asked you if you've gotten anything great. Like, did you need get anything mm -hmm. spiritual in that journey? But we'll talk about that one but yeah. later too. Yeah. So so following on from that, you know, I really got you know what you call religious um, mm -hmm. and got heavily into you know the Bible and, mm -hmm. and all those things. And what type of denomination? So it was. It, I mean, you call it Baptist, I guess you call it. But um, I was very, uh, you know, I'm the sort of person that when I believe in something, I give it my hundred percent all. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I had a few speed bumps along the way, and a few things get me to to maybe doubt aspects of the religion and I, I cut myself as spiritually open and, and spiritual but not necessarily religious and certain things made me to really go wow is it really like this Should I really take the Bible like this and I just saw so many not contradictions but seeming contradictions or mm -hmm. ways that it was hard mm -hmm. to interpret the Bible and things like that like why why is there killings in the world or why did this have to happen or some yeah, like, complicated questions that they don't have well, answers to yeah I mean I could like under, I could understand many things like why is there war and violence I could understand that from the idea of the original sin being the fact that mm -hmm. without choice there is no love 
And right. without love, what's the purpose of God creating humans mm -hmm. with a free choice? If we can't have free choice, we can't express love. The only one thing that we could offer God was our obedience, our ability to choose something against him or choose something for him. And I believe that we gave his choice as our gift back to him because there's nothing mm -hmm. else that we can offer him. We can't offer him yeah. gold because he created mm -hmm. it all. We can't right. offer him any. Mm -hmm. We can only offer him the gift of choice. Which what were some of those things that made you kind of... Did you say so questions? Mean, so, so yeah, there's kind of questions like I couldn't understand why it just, it, there seemed to be this feeling, maybe it was my interpretation of it, of just kind of like a buzzkill or like there were so many mm -hmm. don'ts and not enough do's and it felt mm -hmm. like there was just a lot of kind of like being trying to be good um, mm -hmm. to sort of be good with God and I, I didn't quite get that. It felt like there was a lot of things taken out that I felt we should be able to express and enjoy with a, with a free mind and a clear conscience and I felt like you a started lot. Feeling and that? I didn't know whether that conscience was coming from God coming from the spirit or coming from the community, you know? So I, I had to, that's part of my individuation was going, well, do I want to hold on to this or don't I? Mm -hmm. Was it challenging? Did you feel, because I know that you can feel very conflicted for even having those thoughts. Like, mm -hmm. oh, no, no, no. Like, you can't think those things, like you're deviating. Did yeah. you ever feel, because that's kind of built into the religion. A hundred percent, but but then I had to, but I believe that the religion, if it's, if it's of value, has to be robust enough to, to handle uh, doubt, debate, criticism, it has to, you know, you yeah, have to be able to challenge your faith because I believe it's strong, you you got to come back to it. And so, so then I just came through the point where I had to hold both, I, uh, my experience with both realities. Like, yes, on one hand, I, I believe in a God and I believe in a creator and I believe in something amazing out there mm -hmm. that's beyond this life. But on the other hand, I don't exactly know what that is. And I'm not willing to tell someone else how to live when mm -hmm. I myself aren't completely convinced that I should be living that for myself. Mm -hmm. So that's when I drew the line going, you know what? I just hold it both out uh, in my spiritual quest and journey and go, yeah, I'm open, but I don't know for sure. And that's the way. And so that led me onto these other paths of being open to ayahuasca uh, and DMT. Oh, okay. How did you discover those? Joe Rogan um, or? Not Joe Rogan. That's how I heard of it. Mine was actually just more researching uh, another guy, a British guy who had been on YouTube. Ooh, his name's Graham Hancock. No, a different guy. He's a popular British. No. Uh, could have been. Yeah, I'm trying to think of his name. But um, but yeah, he'd gone right through the, the ritual and the cleansing mm -hmm. and all that, right inside Peru and uh, the Amazon and um, completely got a, a rebirth, so to speak. Might have been Dorian um, Yates. Yeah. Because no, that's a bodybuilder guy. He's yeah, bodybuilder. No, not that guy. But I, I met the guy that that uh, knew him in the Amazon. Oh, uh, no years ago. Yes, I met the guy Ooh, that took us on the tours. So yeah, so that was crazy. Um, so you heard it from a British guy? Yeah, I just researching it, and then I looked at more and more stories about Alaska, and it became quite. What does that Google search go for you? Because I don't think people know about psychedelics, and they think. Terrible, a lot of people think terrible things about them. So it's not like you get the idea like psychedelics. Like I didn't know they existed I, for the I, longest time. I heard that the reason why we taboo psychedelics because in the 60s, people were becoming more yeah. and more open-minded and they were becoming more and more outside the system. Mm -hmm. We we'll are coming back to that analogy. Yeah. Government didn't like it because mm -hmm. they weren't going to have people to pay the taxes. People were going to get flower power. And they yeah. didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So they slammed it as illegal, yeah. forced people back into the mold, mm -hmm. uh, and then put a taboo on it. That's exactly yeah. what happened. You know? yeah. so that, that's the idea behind it anyway. Um, but no, I think, they're, they're, I mean, psilocybin, for example, is right. shown as very restorative for people with mental illness and depression mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. helping that. Um, and I just look, I don't so much look at now what's evil and what's wrong. I look at what's beneficial for society. And when I look at a lot of what these drugs are doing, the psychedelics, they're actually 
producing very pro-social things yeah. and pro-transformative things for many people that use them. People that give up smoking for the rest of their life after they take ayahuasca, you know, or experience DMT. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not convinced that it's you can just say debut on everything, mm -hmm. drug-wise. You know. Do you remember how you started that journey? How you how you attracted it to you? Uh, which part? The how you discovered it? Ayahuasca, or for me, it was Joe Rogan. For yeah. you, it was probably me. But yeah, you had heard. Um, I had heard about it before, but I mean, from my upbringing, it was taboo. I think was... mine was just YouTube recommendations yeah. somehow. Thank you, the algorithm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be oh into it. Yeah. <laughs> watch, watch this next. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. Based on this, this, and this. <laughs> it's the fact that you're interested in exploring Peru, the Machu Picchu, yeah. and the Amazon. Did you, you know? might be interested in this. <laughs> okay, cool. Wait, um, about that is is YouTube is starting to ban a lot of things that have to do with conspiracies. Yeah. They're hiding it because. Mm -hmm. People are making things up, and that's why your uh, speculation is always important. You have to do your own research. You have to double-check things. You have to see other sources because people can create something that looks very real, yeah. but they just 100%. made it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's why YouTube is on that. But I don't ever believe in stopping information. But then they'll create another YouTube or something. Yeah. So. So, and then eventually, and I'd given up on DMT for a while, go back to New Zealand, I'd had my big OE, my bucket list, I'd done everything on my list, mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty happy. The one thing I hadn't done was DMT, but you know what, I've done Alaska, it's enough. <laughs> it was cool, but you know, like, yeah, that's cool, and I, I'd just forgotten about it in a while. And then I got into personal training, and I was training a guy back in, in Christchurch, New Zealand, uh, and he found out that I was really interested in, in, in DMT, and he says, you know, because I just transformed my body from 20% body fat to 5% body fat in six months, eating McDonald's, KFC, and my ice cream. Because I wanted to prove that you could eat what you wanted and still get in the body of oh, your dreams. Right? So, so I've got before and afters of showing oh, uh, sort of my, my, my body shots. That is so that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. But you're terrible <laughs> on the inside, but you can lose yeah, the body fat. Yeah, but, but it was to say that you could still have those weeks and not feel guilty about it and go back to eating well if you wanted and you could okay. still get the results. So okay. it wasn't the deal. And, Hey, next trainer. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I was teaching him this, and then and then he suggested, well, you know, I don't have the money to pay for you, but I do have access to DMT. Like, was I thinking about DMT yesterday? Because it just showed up right here. So it's crazy how things work in life. Right? So. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is still yet to happen to us. Like, okay. <laughs> so I decided to say, yeah, why not? Uh, let's do this. I'll train you up for free. Well, not for free. For the exchange, exchange I'll, yeah. I'll get this DMT, okay. which could be far greater than money, right? Yeah. So anyway, they come into my my sleeper. I, I lay on the bed, uh, and this guy is like this this modern day shaman. He's from England. Okay. Pulls out this uh, this needle. Okay. And he gives it a oh, flick. <laughs> gets out this arm here. It's like you sure it's not heroin. Finds one of these <laughs> veins. I don't know if it was that vein or that vein. It's one of them. Goes to shoot it up, right? And then they leave the room, and then I just lie back and relax. And I'm thinking, oh, that's happened. It's fine. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm starting to feel relaxed. Oh, this is weird. Then I start giggling and laughing. And it gets more and more. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I'm laughing a lot. <laughs> and then I start to understand the chakras, right? So I'm going through the different stages of the chakras. And what? Did you do that? Or? And this is where I believe what the Kundalini is. I did a lot of research after this, is such as Kundalini, which they think is a three and a half cold snake at the base of your spine that resides there, right? I've heard of it. And I don't really know <laughs> yeah, what it is. And the, the idea is when you do yoga, it rises up through your different chakras and the to the pinnacle third eye and then uh, ultimately the seventh chakra, you uh, are able to 
into that enlightenment stage, right? And, and people can do that with yoga. Well, they, yeah, and that's the idea is that you can do this, but DMT is like the shortcut. It goes instantly to it. But what I felt come through me was literally something came through my feet, through my legs, through my spine, and I was literally levitating on the bed. So if you could imagine my feet were touching the bed and my whole body was arc. Literally, like, you were like, you no, felt it. literally. I wish I just had a video or someone was there to see it, but I was literally, I was in the air, something was holding me up in the air. Wow, um, that's so crazy. And then I pretty much went through, you know, the different sequences of it. So I felt joy like I'd never felt. I felt uh, the sense of just like laughter, um, just joy, happiness. It was a weird thing to feel, but it was just... The liquid happiness or different, totally different? Like different. That, I think liquid happiness was beyond, beyond another dimension, another realm. I think that, for me, that was directly with God and that was something mm -hmm. incredible. This was just a, it, it was different. It had a different color to it. It had a different feeling to it. Then it went to another level and I felt love and connectedness. And this one was like, I could, it sounds weird, but I could feel the universe breathe in time with me. And wow. that was the special part. Um, and then I could just see, start to see other beings, and then something came through me, and I could see. And I thought I was muscly, but I, I saw this this creature just with these huge muscles around me, and it, and that's when the trip literally turned. So I went from this incredible experience, and then I went and I went to this other zone, and I went to like this dungeon, uh, and I felt like I was in there for an eternity. It was darkness, it was blackness, and it had. You felt like you were in there. Teach me a lesson, and my brother had just died you know, a few months prior to that, um, at 40 sorry, of cancer. Wow. And But it was like, I could sense in some way I needed to say something to him. I didn't know whether he was there or not, but I felt like in that zone I was able to, to, to say something to him, to, to contact in him. In that dungeon area? Yeah, just in that zone where I just felt a million miles away from anything, but you're in this other spiritual zone. It's a really hard thing to describe. But you, you realize at that point you're not just your physical body, you're this other person that's been living all the time. Right, you're the right. spiritual being having this human experience, but it's so shut away from us because of the system that we never really identify yeah. with it. But anyway, and I felt like I needed to say something to him. And then I felt like, because I felt like constricted, and I felt like, and finally I said, I said, you know, I love you. And when I said that, I just felt this huge, just, I don't know, was it the me sighing or the spirit sighing or him sighing, but it was just a sigh, but it was your, ah. And then the whole vision experience just, like expanded into something else, you know, and then, then I went into like this wisdom zone where I was just seeing, I thought I had insights, like what we were describing, these insights seem nothing compared to what I was seeing getting downloaded at that point in my trip. I mean, I was seeing layer upon layer of insight and wisdom, which was beyond earthly. It was, different was dimensions you're looking at. Different them, dimensions, like different you. zones, different colors, different things, you know, it was mm. just incredible when different words had different meanings and you just saw wow, it was just mind-blowing. Um, and so I saw wisdom for a while, and then this creature, whatever, that sort of was coming through me, felt it like grab me by the throat, strung me on the bed like this. Um, and, it said, and this is where, I don't know whether it was my background in religious thinking or whether this actually happened, but it, at that point I heard a knock on the door, and my friend said, are you all right, can we come in? And this thing at this stage was gripping my throat, and so, but it, it released it from me, and I was able to say, that's no, all right. Don't come in. I said, don't come in. Um, you know, uh, I'm going. Were you making a lot of noise or something? Or? I don't know what they could hear, but 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 then then it grabbed me and I said, if I could, I would. And then it showed me into this other dimension where I could be, and it said, if I could, I rip you out of your body and I would take you down to the depths of this uh, experience. Uh, 
and then I was, you know, I was calling on God. I was calling all things to. to, to so, this. so you were afraid there. Uh, at that point, yeah. I mean, this. I was, this was gripping you. I was fighting for my life. I mean, this. Were you thing, able to see that entity holding you? I, I can show you a picture of what the entity looks like, uh, and I can Google it, and I can show you what it looks like. Is that because you've seen the image before? Uh, no, I'd never seen it before, but I just, from my impressions, from what I can see in the arms. Because I feel like if legs, I see it, I'm gonna see that one too, and I'm gonna be but scared. I, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't see the face. I could only get the impression of it. Um, but then hearing that, you know, calling on God and, and having that experience just start to peter out um, was incredible. Um, but but post that, so I say be very mindful and careful of that because I couldn't sleep properly for the next three months. I was woken up, you know, with the smallest noise. You know, with I've got a fridge in my room, and when it made a noise, it just it, <laughs> I would be jumping, you know. So I, that's what I'm saying. You know, times that most of the magical feeling in times by hundred by ten, but also fear to another whole level as well. Mm, so my okay. my greatest incredible experience got turned upside down by this experience. But um, you, you it said it was incredible, one. though. You said that. Like in a bad way? Uh, I mean, or you said that you found like, out what happened afterwards. It's just like the highs are intensified, but then the lows are intensified. So it's like like yeah. the, the lowest of the lows. So it's like the highs of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Did the lows teach you anything? Like would you, um, if you could, you would take those out? Uh, if, if I could, yeah. I mean, if it were just been that, I would have been signing up to do it again and again, just the highs, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, but okay. with that, you really think twice because it affected my sleep, it affected... I mean, but in saying that, it affected me so much. I was so grateful to be alive. I just saw life at so many So it almost levels. kind of like was killing you. Oh, like I feel like I've heard of people, you know, they never return from some people that do I ask and never return. But it's very uncommon. Yeah, I've heard, heard, heard of that too. It can happen, but I can understand how that happens because you literally enter into another dimension, which I'm still saying to this day is more real than the dimension we're talking right now. You literally wow. know that's really where you're supposed Ooh, to be living. I'm almost getting so, chills on that. <laughs> Yeah, so that was phenomenal and mind-blowing. I want to yeah. linger on that one, though. I don't know why, but it seems like like I'm, in, like I, I'm feeling entertained by that scary image you just told us about being strangled. Can you tell us more in detail? Like, did you feel, did you see that person? I'm kind of imagining a beast, like a demonic yeah. beast. If you think of, like, Doom, something like that, I don't, I'm not familiar with Doom. Well, if you if you YouTube Doom the game, uh, you can see certain there's a certain beast. Cyber, you can show me later. This but thing is called a cyber demon. Looking very similar to that. Very scary. But oh, it's like it's fear that you, you. It's hard to describe the kind of fear. I can understand people being scared to death. I think it's a real thing. I, I know how people get scared. To yeah, death. yeah, me too. It was like horrifying. Like phobias, yeah, like phobias. Like but at the same scared. time, I had the sense it was weird because in one sense there was pitch pitch but another sense I had this deep sense that even though I can feel the strength of this beast, I still in a sense deeper down felt safe, like I still had God. Yeah, because you were calling on God. Yeah, but without that, I can imagine you just... Without having like you know, an a positive entity. Oh, okay. With, if you're an atheist, what? No, yeah, you're, you said it better if you have a positive entity. Because if you're atheist, what do you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if you're atheist, you hopefully just part off on your mind and just say it's just mind tricks, but... But like uh, science, science yeah. is not real. Well, I yeah. think that's the whole point. But, but this is like, one thing that can't... does convert many atheists to agnostics. Is going a lot right. of them after doing mm-hmm. these types of trips. Going, I, I was no, about I to was say. believed there was nothing, and now I believe there's something. There's something. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Why did you not let them come in the room? Oh, I, I just felt in such a vulnerable position. This thing had me, man. I didn't want anything interrupting the experience. You didn't want to get them angrier. I don't. I, I just, yeah. Um, 
I just felt I was in the experience still, and I didn't know what was going to happen next. And you wanted to let it unfold. Yeah. So that's just, because so you never felt like pull the plug. Oh, I did. I was calling God. I just wanted the whole thing to stop. As soon as it went bad, I wanted everything just to stop. I'd do anything out of it, but I couldn't. Once you're in the and trip, you said it felt like forever. Did it, oh, no, I, I know during during, during that dungeon time, I felt like I could be in there forever, like because time takes on a new dimension. Even though the whole trip's probably about thirty minutes, in that dimension, you're like this could be eternity. It's like because. This could be, or did it feel that way? No, part mean? of it did until I entered into what I needed to uncover in that session. So what I'm saying is, if you and this is this this is totally speculation here, but this is some spiritual thinking around it. If you die in a certain state of emotion, a certain set of beliefs, you're potentially bound to exist within that for eternity. Mm, so if you cool. die oh. with if you die with bitterness and non-forgiveness and and no love in your heart, you're potentially to live out that for eternity. Unless you get reincarnated. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I'm not 100% on the beliefs around it, but but there's something to that about being caught in a state forever. When you harden your heart enough to life, mm-hmm. about the li- uh, the gifts that life gives you, when you harden it to the point where it's all about bitterness, then potentially I could see that that could be the dark dungeon. It could be your reality for a very long time, you know. And it, it felt despairing to be. And in that's that. kind of your speculation after seeing that. Well, for me, I think what the te- the lesson that had because I go, what is a lesson? I was trying to search for what is it they want me because I felt like it'd be easy to shut your heart away from love because people have been hurt before and just stay there in this dungeon, and it's it's better for some people maybe think stay in that place to not show their emotion with the world or not show love because they've been hurt. But I felt what I needed to say is I love you, and, right. and then I felt the sigh of relief happen. Right, I thought, yeah. how many people are going to be trapped forever in that dungeon of their own prison? Because they haven't learned to love. Wow. So you're essentially, you told us that story and we can infer the, the context of you might have had something there with your brother that subconsciously yeah, like wasn't I, said or maybe yeah. something that was felt. Or yeah, something. well, I think the more I look at this, you know, I look at DMT and, and God and everything, I think the key answer always seems to come back to love. You know, I think the biggest lesson we can take out of life always comes back to the ability to love, to receive love and give love. That's what we're here for, I think, ultimately, when it boils down to that, right? But I think, brother, relationship, you know, you're not thinking that, you're not feeling that, you're not necessarily giving that, you're just going about your life, and maybe there have been some things, unresolved issues. But Is I that think, what kind of happened? But I believe that's what his spirit was wanting to hear from me, and uh, that's what I needed to say to him. Okay, so it didn't really bliss. come from you on your end. It was maybe that spirit kind of brought you there to set it free. Well, I believe it needed... I needed it for myself as well. I needed well. to say that uh, for something in me, but I just felt like that was something needed to be said. And I wow. don't know whether it was purely for me or for him, but that was just okay. the experience that I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. What do you think now? Well, uh, <laughs> about, about doing some uh, psychedelics. I don't know about DMT, but I can see. I need to research DMT. I'm not going to just do something because somebody it's tells just me the to most do it. Pure but form, right? Yeah, yeah, concentrated form. That's the westernized version, just shoot straight up. Oh. It's it's a shortened trip, so it's 20 minutes intense. You'd be guaranteed to break through, yeah. more so than ayahuasca. Ayahuasca comes with a vomiting quite often. Oh, okay. Because it's very out. acidic, right? Yeah, it's a poison you're putting in right. your body. you got to hold it down for it to have its effect go into your bloodstream and then spew it mm-hmm. up because there's so many toxins, right? Mm-hmm. They, they claim, the shamans say that that's you purging yeah, the bad I mean, things, or do you think it's... Because it's toxic. Well, I think literally it is a, it's a toxin, so your body is getting rid of it, but it breaks down into that chemical of the DMT, which, if held in your system long enough, will transfer into your bloodstream to give you the effect of DMT. But do you know what I mean by, like, the shamans think that you're purging guilt, you're purging past hate, you're purging your subconscious 
traumas, you're purging that in the form of your excrements, that um, that's what they think is good. That you're, yeah, It's I, good that you're purging it, or it's actually something that, you know, maybe I could do away with the vomiting in the... I believe you could have, because I think DMT is so powerful, I never saw the life the same after that. It was never, there's never been a day go by since the experience, which I haven't brought back to that experience. So I believe you could still have your transformed experiences without the purging, the purging. I okay, so that's not really actually... But that's my take on it. I think um, so too. But yeah, a bit of, but I can see their, their take on it and why they see it and that's fine. But I just believe you can still get an incredibly transformative experience without having to go through that ritual. But I feel that there's something special about being there and going through the ritual as well. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of like having done respecting both, it, the, the, being in the that highs. nature, that environment, you, you get yeah. some other vibe going on as well. I but, gotcha. But ultimately it's the DMT that has the effect. Okay. It gets you to have a mind change. Yeah. Right, right. And you said it's just vomiting okay. and some diarrhea, you said? Oh, not for me. <laughs> Don't get any visuals there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm not, I'm, Why are you asking these questions? No, no, I'm, I'm like, myself. you already know this. But, like, but you I was like, many people, you know, report that. Uh, I definitely had the vomiting after 40 minutes, which is about the time. And right. Then, uh, then the, the, halluc no more the than hallucination like set in after the vomiting. But yeah, after oh, people, really? if it passes through your system enough, then you'll get the other end as well. And, okay. and, and they, Interesting. It's yeah. common to do it in different days, start slow, and different days, you up the dosage of the um, amount in the cup. Like, yeah, I think I, I heard that's how they, they do it. They train your body, so you've got to be in a certain diet, a uh, certain ritual, yeah. you do some right. fasting, you did that yeah. Yeah. Clean diet. yeah, I did the clean diet, minimal food and all that. Um, and they have the music, the shaman, and the preparation, mm -hmm. and then they just, they, they, they test you out. Yeah. They test you yeah, well, they just see how you go with that dose. Yeah, because yeah. they don't want to give you too much. They'll monitor you, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. So I'm still stung up. <laughs> let's like, let still it stuck go. On the, on I the, know, let's let it the go. The demon, man. Like, okay, because I've had a dream. Okay. Where when I was very religious on my spiritual journey, just towards the Bible and Christianity. There was uh, times where I would see scary movies like The Exorcist and stuff like that. And I'm by myself at home and then, you know, you're hearing things and you're like, you know, you're praying and uh, that would calm you down. Yeah. Like the praying and like God, you're calling on God and yeah. they would go away or, or that's what you would hold on to when you're afraid of the dark. So that's what you hold on to when you're afraid of that demon that you're pretty much putting there with your own mind. And, um, and it's for looking back now, obviously it was never there. Um, and in my subconscious dream, I have to disagree with that because it could be, it could be there. You're right. Yeah, it could be there. You never negate things in the spiritual realm, spiritual realm. You always leave that room for doubt. But I had a dream where it's a cold, dark, exorcist setting, rainy night. There's a big, tall demon with the horns and the hooves and everything. And because I was, I guess, practicing the Christian Christian religion at that time, I went up there and would. Like like I was a priest, and I defeated the demon in my dream, and um, it was very profound for me when I woke up from that dream because I realized that common Christian saying is if God's for me, who could be against me? Perfect love casts out all fear. A lot of those good Christian sayings. So that's why we don't we still respect the Christian religion because we think all religions are tools, mm -hmm. just like a bow and arrow, a sword, a shield. Uh, a tool that is trying to help you hit the bullseye because if you if you don't use your own thinking you can have some of the fanaticism that bring it down and make it look like you know
killing people in the name of religion and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you obviously use your reason with that and you use the tool. So why are you hung up on the demon? Because you relate to him? Because if I face the demon again, I want to know. Call on God, right? <laughs> you just call on God. And well, for me, when, when I called on the name of Christ, the whole mm-hmm. thing changed. It stopped. Like I felt like it was almost going to rip me out of my body. I'm like, I was going to go. And it said that if I could take you. If I you, could, I would rip you out of your body now. And take you and where? Take you. Uh, Did you see where it was? I only measure it was the depths of hell. I could just see down into this portal and it didn't look nice. Right. Let's just say that. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so I don't know if that's my background telling because of the belief of hell and, and demons, whether that's in my makeup, that's creating part of that, that vision and that image. That's what I want to talk moment. about next. That's why I brought um, it up. Yeah. And so this is the hairy part whether this is a reality and and it's it's there's a black and white there's a spiritual realm and that there are demons and there are all these Angels entities and yeah and there's this war going on and there's a heaven and a hell and and i wanted to know. talk about that so i brought it up again because um why do you think that happened reflecting on it now and going to detail about do you, are you saying that you don't know if that's because i was taught demons and angels and that's why I was there and that was the most like it'll, it'll, like DMT will look in your mind oh you hate spiders I'm gonna get a spider <laughs> and I'm gonna put it on top of you I think it's the point right is, yeah. is that what you mean exactly or so, do you actually think that there is those yeah. demons well this is what I'm still grappling with even today and I'm asking for guidance on because I believe there's huge implications for life right what right. I end up following what do I do because if mm-hmm. I knew 100% that there was a black and white reality I yeah, wish to follow, exactly. then I'd devote my life to it, right? But because mm-hmm. I'm like going, oh, I don't know, I'm using my own reason and a bit of the Bible, and I'm going, I want to live my way, but at the same time, if God says that's wrong and this could be the, the, the result, then I definitely don't want to live that way, but I'm open to God on it. And that's the battle that, that I have. And I don't know where the DMT brings up from your own subconscious and it just relays and it projects out of your eyes and your subconscious what you believe to be true or what you believe to have been taught or what you've been taught or whether you just, another world comes in and you're able to see out of this new third eye and you can see this world as it is. Yeah. And you're interacting with these beings at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't exactly know which one, but what I will say is the experience was so real and I didn't have, I didn't feel I had control of what these entities were saying. It was, it was grabbing my throat. You know it was, were saying? It was moving my mouth. And I, like subconsciously I could have been doing it, but I really feel like it was this other being that was saying the words, a different voice and everything and I could hear it all. And, you know, I, I can't make that stuff the up. Words was it say? Oh, like I was saying, if I could, I'd rip you out of your body. And say, you said that in a yeah. It said out of my voice, but it was speaking through me. Like I was saying, this whole thing had, had taken over my body. Oh my gosh. So it was like having something else in your body, you and something else in your body. Closest to demon possession that, that mm-hmm. you can think of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let me ask you now. So it sounds like, and I put the pieces together, that you don't know if you should follow the free, the teachings of the world, the spiritual teachings of the world, because the you said it just now, God says to not do that. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, there's the aspect of, um, in the Bible, it talks about, you know, steering clear of um, other spiritual paths mm-hmm. that might open you up to, you know. Because it uh, says in the Bible, you can only go through, you can only get to God through me or mm-hmm. Christ through me yeah, however that, that scripture goes. and there's a whole bunch of stuff in the Old Testament about not relying on the soothsayers and necromancers and all that sort of stuff and a lot of modern day Christianity would put lump them in that same category you know 
Yeah. So there's an aspect. Like, don't deviate from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. It's just simple, true. Just just hold on to you know the Holy Spirit and the Bible, and mm-hmm. you know that's the set path. And that's still in your mind of which path to go to. Well, I'm still. Well, like I said, I hold them in both hands, and um, I don't. Because you were so strong in one of them. Yeah, I really just so, believe that so strongly, but uh, but then I had to use reason because a lot of it just didn't measure up in many yeah, areas. So I, I was agree. like, well, I can't fully commit to it because I don't fully because I was. I went down the track of helping others believe in it, but then when I got further enough down, I was like, "Well, I don't fully 100% believe in it." So I'm trying to convert other how other people, because uh, I'd experienced something incredible, like the love of God, which to this day I can base my life on the most incredible thing I felt. But then mm-hmm. so many things I felt like I was telling people to give up and telling myself I had to give up. I, I just didn't ring true with me completely. So I felt like it was being a bit disingenuous to try and get other people to do that when I right. didn't hold that. Hundred percent. How much have you learned and uncovered about the origins of the Bible and the religion in general? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've obviously done a lot of research. You know how the Bible was written and, and who it was yeah. written by. You know, mm-hmm. over the centuries. Um, you know, the dating back of the scrolls, uh, where they were found and all that. So you know, it's, so it's, you have done some digging on. Oh yeah, yeah. Know. I definitely. And what have you concluded so far? Well, um, to me, because that's your. That's what you're saying, right? You're. You're yeah, holding well, on to both of them, but yeah, well, again, there's just still a lot of mystery. So I literally, I just have to hold on to my experience of God and go, God, and as much as I can, I'm not willing, willfully holding anything back. But there's a lot that doesn't measure up. So I say, if you want to reveal it to me, please show me. Right. But I'm not going to force something to believe something that I don't hold true in my heart. Mm-hmm. But I'm open if it is true for you to reveal that to me. Yeah. But I'm not going to try and force it. And so that's where where I literally hold it. Um, so the best way I can explain it to you, or I don't know, not explain it to you, but I guess like what I, I, I totally relate to what you're saying, and I think you do too, because in the power of now it talks about the Bible being a source of light for people, because it is. There's a lot of great teachings that people can learn from, and originally, what, well, what the power of now says is it's leading us to the now. That any everything that exists is now. So I think that's like kind of. You've where, read the book, the Bible. No, 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 the power, the power of now. now. No, but I'm oh, saying okay. like, yeah, like I, I can understand what you're saying because logically the Bible isn't true, like when it comes to dates and like matching up dates, but the wisdom in the Bible are true yeah, for like the most part. Yeah, 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 like there's a lot of wisdom that that I do think society needs, and and there's a lot that they can follow that makes a society. Because I thought like if I was a person who created a society, how would I how would I govern a society like? How would I do it? And it's a lot like how the Bible does it. Right. And because there's a lot of truth in the Bible of how to govern people. And that's, I think, essentially what it is, like how to live your life and like how to treat others, how to treat your significant others. Mm-hmm. So I think... Yeah, we, we, I think, I that's think where we can I'm all at. agree on that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But, like, the, like yeah. the Bible has wisdom, even though logically it doesn't match up to its, its dates. Right. And then you can't make sense of it, right? Yeah, I think sense? with the dates thing, they're always yeah. changing, like the carbon yeah. dating and all that. So... It's really hard to judge it, you know, yeah. based on how long, even the age of the world, that's changed so much over the last hundred years mm-hmm. based on the latest research. Yeah. yeah. So it keeps changing. So it's hard to get accurate information there. Right. But we do know, you know, from the documents, it's one of the oldest books. It's got mm-hmm. many historical documents yeah. that back it up. So there's a lot going for it in terms of historiocracy. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of inconsistencies in terms oh, okay. of the moral code, which, yeah. I struggle with, but then I look at the gravity with which some interpretations have of the Bible of if you don't mm-hmm. adhere to, the consequences in eternity seem so grave oh, that it okay. makes me 
not want to dismiss it outright. It makes me go. Yeah, like oh, if, if you it. if you reject Jesus Christ, you're yeah, obviously going to go down. If hell's a place you're going to be there forever, that's a huge thing. But based on just my reality of experiencing God, what I felt as God, but then not experiencing the Word to the same extent, but experiencing the Spirit to that extent, I'm going. If reality after death is eternal and consequential, then I want to be on the right side of the ledger, you know? Right. So <laughs> there's a philosophy term for that too. It's kind of like playing the odds. Like, I'd rather believe because if I don't believe and I'm right, right, then I'm going to. Exactly. So um, I, that was my study as well. Right. I, I took two university, maybe three university classes about religion, ethics, morality, uh, mm-hmm. even studying the Bible itself, comparing it to. The, the Greek myths, right? And um, there's this incredible channel called Spirit Science, mm-hmm. and um, they essentially talked about. Uh, they just did a series about the Sumerians uh, being one of the oldest civilizations, and uh, essentially their workings in the Babylonians. And you kind of look at those ancient uh, Mesopotamian cultures led to. A lot of our world religions. Right. Have you heard of those ideas? Have you heard that that the Bible, the Quran, Tao Te Ching, Buddha, essentially are all saying the same message? Yeah, like having researched it around that, you know, a lot of it was from you know, Syria, a lot of it around Ur, Mesopotamia. Those were the key cradle of civilization, they mm-hmm. call it, you know. Mm-hmm. So a lot was coming out. Ancient right. Egypt, you know, mm-hmm. um, all of these ancient cultures. Mm-hmm. So within that sort of birthing pot, you had many different similar forms coming up and the and the fragments of the Bible that became the Bible were sort of out from that era but there were yeah. other things as well and we will never ever know where it all began but yeah now we're getting to the esoterical realms where it's amazing yeah. to think but if you can imagine just think of nothing thinking of existing in nothing what would it look like just thin air black nothing thin air or blackness it's really hard to imagine just nothing it just because if you think of nothing does it go far because even distance is something right that's right so yeah. how yeah. far does it go but then you've created something so there's actually no distance so then what is nothing it's so we cannot understand it we yeah. can't even understand nothing because the fact that never so the idea behind the god theory is that it never was nothing he was always there right but at some point there had to be without a... time he created time and he created, he created beings time. that could experience time um, and then he, and this is the bit that I love because we're not trying to convince either on these ideas, right? No. We're just debating yeah. these Stay ideas, and this is great. Which because so, I'm not even convinced myself yeah, of yeah. what I believe. So <laughs> let's have this yeah, flesh out these ideas. So the idea behind it is that God created this big universe, created the Earth, um, because I've also researched on the, the, the Nephilim. I don't know if you heard about uh-uh. the Nephilim, which is tied to the theory of these reptilians, who were these half breed of angels and humans, uh-huh. and the angels who were the, the Nephil, the, uh, the Elohim. Were the ones that descended on earth uh, during the times of Noah and uh, the days of Jared, um, the Bible speaks about. And if you read the Book of Giants and the Book of Jubilees, mm-hmm. and also the Book of Enoch, goes into great detail of ex- exactly what happened. Wow. Um, you know, there was the Archangel um, Raphael um, and the uh, another one that came down, and they reckon that Lucifer tempted them because Lucifer had already fallen. But these angels were called the Watchers. And their role was to watch upon the early humans to make sure that they were doing I love the right. these kind of stories. Um, and, and the idea in, the, in, the, in one of the heavens, Lucifer took them aside. And they were supposed to look down at humanity and watch them and make sure that they were protected. And he tempted them and said, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if you go down and you could show them all the arts and the crafts of heaven and the secrets of the universe and the secrets of God. And, yeah. you, and you could then create your own 
um, creation. But the idea behind it was it was actually Lucifer's agenda speaking through them because what he wanted to do, he wanted to wipe out the seed of man because his biggest comeback wasn't against man, it was against God. And it was to put his footprint and his fingerprint over the universe and over creation and not allow God to rule. So the idea is he slipped that secret into the, um, into the beings that were these archangels that were supposed to be the watchers. So they came down uh, and that was their descent. And there was 20 of them that led a whole herd of 200 of the fallen angels. Um, and that's where the idea that they mated. And that's where they believed that dinosaurs ultimately came from. That's why they don't exist today, is that they were experimenting, like probably what we're going to see with chimeras in, in the coming generations that we're mm -hmm. going to see with the... Chimera? Chimera is a combination of animal and human. And human? Yeah. Oh. Um, and so, but, but what they did is they reckon... I heard about that. They, it was like a documentary. They mated with the uh, with the woman. They, they took whatever woman they wanted and they became the wife. Um, and then they would create a hybrid called a Nephilim, which were these huge creatures. But they reckon the dinosaurs came through mating with other animals and they created these other monstrous beings, which were some forms of where the dinosaurs. Was, where is all this? Wow. this oh, so I've cool. done hours of research on it. But but you said a combination of those bu biblical books. Yeah, all these biblical with, books um, with... Yeah, so the Book of Jubilees, uh, the Book of the Giants, the Book of Enoch. Um, Where's um, the Book of the Giants? It's not in the main... Uh, book of, so a whole bunch of these were found during... Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Dead Sea Scrolls? The old books. There was mm -hmm. some books that are included in the Apocrypha, which is in the Catholic Bible, but not in the Protestant Bible. Wow, um, so you obviously know way more of these kind of stories than I do. Why do you still hold on to the, to the controlling words of what it says in the Bible? Um, well, no, I don't, I don't see it as definitely contradictory. Like, there's a lot of in the Bible which, which just resonates true. Um, but there's some of it which uh, I just really struggle with getting my head around why it would be in there. And so I don't have a full acceptance of everything in the Bible, but I have a full appreciation of God's love. And so it's a weird... But then... But is it is the... Is it Jesus and God, as it says in the Bible, to you? See, even that, I'm not 100% sure on. All, all I can say from my heart experience is that I've experienced this love, uh, and I've been told that Jesus is involved, and I've been taught that these things are, but I haven't necessarily seen it. Because what if you grew up Muslim, or what if you grew up Buddhist? Well, exactly. Exactly. That could be different. So, so it'd be a but, but, but what, I, what I am saying is that I had my experience of God in the setting of a Christian camp. Mm -hmm. with Christian music and all that. So it's like very confusing to go to throw the baby out the bathwater. How do you separate what's what and what's not? Yeah. So you experience this form of spirituality in amongst this religious teaching. Because I still listen to Christian music. Yeah. I still do. I love Christian music. Yeah. yeah. And then that's incredible. So that is great, absolutely great fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's just, <laughs> um, I think what I can call it is the quest for just knowing. Like, because it's been suppressed and let's just say those stories are true or who knows which ones are there obviously is a lot of evidence i know i know this is a bad this is a long uh, outro but there's a lot of evidence that is suppressing us yeah right that is common mm. and we can all agree on something someone some entity some force is suppressing when it doesn't have to be that way mm. when we're all meant to thrive and shine and love and and, and that's what we're advocating for. And so since we know that that is a battle, it's awesome knowing that we found another warrior right. 
another person on the journey, another person on the path. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. Closing thoughts. That was great meeting you guys. Thank you for coming on to our, one of our first podcasts. Well, you're our first interviewer. You're our first interviewee. For ourselves too, but yeah. You'll be back, I know, for, uh, you're going for to sure. New Zealand for how long? Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, up to the Philippines, Boracay Islands for oh, okay. a couple oh, okay. of weeks. Yeah. And then uh, after that, in September, mid-September, I'll be back in my country um, for the foreseeable future, maybe six months. And uh, then I get the, the fun part of planning in the next I know, right? Like, where am I going tomorrow? next? Uh, yeah, I'm on a plane tomorrow uh, heading oh, to the Philippines. Okay. Well, awesome. we may be seeing um, you in New Zealand or the Philippines. Yeah, look, Philippines. you're welcome yeah. anytime. Because yeah. we can go anywhere. Was a blast. So yeah, absolutely. Please come over. You, I yeah. guarantee you will join New Zealand. And, okay. Uh, it's been a blast meeting you guys, and I hope this is one of many in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wish you guys all the best yeah, on your journey. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks, Over